I like That's Spotify. <laughs> this podcast sponsored by yeah. Spotify. <laughs> we wish. I will say that the Spotify like playlist thing, it actually shows the unique episode covers and Apple, I cannot figure out how to get that for the Apple podcast one. So I'm team Spotify for podcasts because <laughs> it just, I've tried to Google, I don't know, Faded Mates, there's change. Like, I don't know. It's like, go into your RSS feed and change the tag. I'm like, what, I, how do I get it? I don't know. So I refuse at this point. That's too much. I will I say I, I used the free version of Spotify for many, many years because I'm one of those people that's like, why would I pay for something when I can get along just fine without paying for it? Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I used the free version of Canva up until like really I started with my internship and was using the pro version of Canva like with their login and I was like mm-hmm. this is magical and I need this in my life um and what finally got me was that free Spotify you I think you can't download your music mm-hmm. like it's all streaming on like on Wi-Fi and I was studying abroad in Italy and mm-hmm. I would be like on a bus in the Italian countryside like going so obviously you can't stream music and I was like this is hell and I literally on the bus like yeah. <laughs> paid for Spotify and was like fine I just want to be able to listen to music because then you also couldn't like select the song you want to listen to no you have to like shuffle shuffle it and that because you can do it you can do it on your um laptop Mm -hmm. and so like that's how I went through college and then like a little bit after that I just got um the one because I couldn't because I had a lot of music on my phone um Mm -hmm. and then through either not syncing or whatever it all got deleted and so then I was like okay I just need to have spotify and there's so much freedom with it my parents still don't quite understand like spotify apple music they're like i can't listen to this i'm like but if you had that you could my dad has a youtube playlist that he uses while Uh he's at work that he just like of all the songs just so many songs and he just listens to his youtube playlist and i'm like wait that works for you i however will not be listening to YouTube. <laughs> I I, je- I do have a YouTube playlist. It's called No Downloads, and it's mostly mm. songs that I can't buy on iTunes. Mm. That's um, fair. But I have some that just – because I haven't had a working Apple ID for six months, so it's literally been anything I want to listen to um, until I finally got off my ass and took 10 minutes to set up an Apple ID. <laughs> it was not hard. Um, but, yeah, no, that's the big thing. I can't do free Spotify because it doesn't let me – you've got, like, a limit. You can only skip, like, six songs in an yeah. hour or something. Mm-hmm. And it brings me back to that other – Pandora. Had the Pandora. Yeah. Thing. Yes. Pandora. And, it, yeah, so, anyway. I, that was I a need wild to get time. It, but Pandora, Pandora was a wild time. I will yeah. say I was always a music shuffler. Like, mm-hmm. I will only sit down and listen to an album in order, like, right when it comes out if listen. I just want to listen to it. Um, or if it's, like, I very spe- – like, if I'm going to just listen to an album, I'll listen to it in order. But 99% of my music listening is playlists that I shuffle. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I, – I very rarely have a playlist that I listen to in order. So, like, free to- Spotify worked for a while because I was going to shuffle it anyway. But the the only so many skips and the not being able to, like, listen offline, that was – Yeah. 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 <sighs> And now I'm like, well, I can never not have Spotify. Yeah, you can never go back once they get you. And no, that's cause... my thing is I'm like, what if it gets I'm, – I'm like a conspiracy theorist where I'm like, what if it gets deleted? At least, like, I own my music. <laughs> but also, that's like, it's my – so I'm like, I, I have it. Like, it's my – even though, you know, Apple could also yeah, die. Yeah. Like, I don't know why I think Spotify is less of a real thing, but – 
I just don't, I don't trust the online music. That's I how you CDs. turn into somebody who only listens to CDs. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then cars are going away from CDs. So then it's super hard to listen to them anyway. Right? Yeah. It's a whole mess. Mm-hmm. The, the like owning the hard cover th- or hard copy or whatever is number one why I've ended up with so many books because I just like I need the yeah. physical copy if it's a book that I like even if it's not one that I reread a ton I'm still like I need it because what if it's not on the internet mm-hmm. like I need and but like my dad is like that he has a library so of course he is he's also like maybe a little bit of a hoarder and it drives my mom crazy but he very much forever has been like if you like something you better if you like a movie don't rely on streaming you better buy the dvd if you like a book make sure you buy the physical copy because mm-hmm. you never know what if the internet disappears or so? I don't know what his logic is, but I mean, it could. Well, not to be that person, but I tried to order a physical copy of that time I got drunk and yeeted a love potion at a werewolf because sure. I want it. Sure. And um, it got lost. Like, I don't know what happened, but it didn't get to me. And so I tried to buy a replacement copy and they're not available anymore. So like, you really never know. It, it, uh, I think the series got picked up by a traditional publisher. Yeah. So if you want physical copies, it's not going to be until February of next year. And I've literally been craving nothing but this book for the last month. So I'm hoping that some miracle will happen and my package will get shipped. But I'm thinking like it's been pulled. Like they can't send me a replacement because they're print on demand. So seriously, if you see something you want, buy the physical copy because you may never get it again, which is dramatic. I'll wait until February, but there we are. Is it like online anywhere like used to sell it doesn't look like it i've tried looking it up like i I, like the title physical book thrift whatever and nothing's really coming up that's really um but it's literally i think it's been within the last week sorry what was that oh i was just saying like probably it's not one that a ton of people bought physical copies of so probably not a ton are selling it i did see kimberly lemming made a tiktok where she was like i saw somebody selling a hard copy of this book for like a hundred dollars or something because it's they took it they they pulled it you won't get it with Mm -hmm. that cover anymore and she was like guys my book is not worth a (laughs) hundred dollars do not let someone scam you into this she kills me i actually dm'd her i don't think i'll get a response which is totally fine but i dm'd her and i was like here's the situation is there anywhere I can get a physical copy I'm like I'm by no means I'm not I'm not asking for it but I'm just like if you happen to know that a certain retailer still has it or if you know that they had like a limited amount of physical stock because I think with the retailer I was trying to buy it through and with Amazon it's print on demand Mm -hmm. um right so I was like if you just if you know anybody who has it please let me know I want to read it so bad but like I don't have I have a Kindle but it's literally nine years old and I'm too lazy to set it up um or do I have a Kobo which one is Amazon's Amazon, you could do your Kindle app on oh. your phone. Yeah. I, have a, I have a Kobo. <laughs> I have a Kobo, oh, no. and it's, ah. it's, eight, it's eight years old, nine years old, um, and I think it still charges, but I haven't touched it. So I don't really do like ebooks. Yeah. And I have the first one in physical. So I'm like, I'll just wait until February and just be sad. I mean, you could oh, do, like Hannah said, if you get the Kindle app on your phone, you could read yeah. it. I could do that. Yeah. I, I I'm that. assuming it's not great. I hope they're still selling the, <laughs> the ebook. Yeah, the ebook is still available. Still, yeah. yeah. Yeah, in theory, I could do that. I, I could read the third not, one then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't That's love reading ebooks on my phone, but if it's like, no. it's what you got to do, sometimes it's what, like, I don't have a Kobo. So anything that, yeah. any ebooks that I get on Kobo, I have to read on my phone. Yeah, yeah. that's what I find with uh, NetGalley arcs too. I have to read them on my phone and it majorly impacts my enjoyment of the book. Mm-hmm. So whenever I try to review things, I'm always like, I cannot speak to pacing at all because I read this over the span of 60 days. So yeah. like, <laughs> I can't tell you if it's at all well paced. I did that with um, 
The Secret Lives of Country Gentlemen. And mm-hmm. I loved it so much that I'm like, I do need a physical copy of this book, which has also been lost in the mail, by the way. Oh. The two books I ordered, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my review, I was like, I literally read it during my two-minute breaks at the gym. Like, I would go with my partner. It would be my set. And then while it was his set, I would read three pages. <laughs> like, so I can't speak to pacing, but I really enjoyed the vibes of the book. Mm-hmm. NetGalley is why I ended up getting a Kindle. Like, I yeah. I got tired of reading it on my phone and was like, yeah. here we are. Mm-hmm. I mean, That's it was like I a graduation read. present, but. <sighs> yeah, I used to not be an ebook person. And then I, like, forced myself to with NetGalley and just, like, stuff I could get from the library that didn't have audiobooks and everything. Because, like, my yeah. Libby app can then send to Kindle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, at the beginning, I was staunchly against it. I was, too. And now I can't read physical books. Yeah, it's bad. I like See, I bad. like. I own I own this Kobo and it's mm-hmm. again it's very very old. I have no idea if it'll work, but I own it. So I'm like especially for library books if you're going on a trip, mm-hmm. if you have these arcs, like I would rather read it on something like that because I know they're designed to like there's no glare and all that fun stuff and yeah. I hate reading on my phone. Like I mm-hmm. violently hate it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. but I've just been too lazy to set it up. It's back there somewhere. <laughs> I just don't feel like touching it. I feel that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so well, so welcome to Romancer TBR. We, Thank you. <laughs> if you're if you're hearing a third voice, again, again, um, that's because we have a very special guest, Ooh. the lovely, wonderful Megan. Um, this is I'm Caroline, uh, Hannah. <laughs> I'm Hannah. Thank you, Megan. Me. We almost never introduce ourselves. We forget it every episode. Yeah. Um, nice. so it's exciting if we manage to remember to say the mm-hmm. name of the podcast and ourselves. Um, and this is our lovely guest, Megan. Do you want to introduce yourself? Tell the listeners a little something about you, where to find you, etc. Sure. Um, hi, I'm Megan. I'm at Meg underscore Mazafaro on Instagram and TikTok. I make bookish content and I try to take aesthetic photos. It doesn't always work. Um, but I'm kind of I read a lot of YA fantasy and since befriending Caroline a couple years ago I've been really getting into historical romance it kind of comes and goes in waves but it's always like such a fun thing to read and so when because we've talked about the Dangerous Damsel series before so with Secret Service of Tea and Treason coming out I was like okay can we please talk about this again because I had a lot of fun last time and then Caroline was like oh my god you should come on the podcast I'm like oh my god a podcast like that's so (laughs) official that's so fancy so we yeah, here I am. are neither official nor fancy. Because um, <laughs> you guys did a TikTok live, right? About- yeah, we did a couple. We did a read-along yeah. for both the Wisteria Society and the League of Gentlewomen Witches. And we so we did a little read-along and then did a live at the end of each mm-hmm. for each of those That's books. Fun. And that was when Gentlewomen Witches was coming out. Yes. It was um, a ton of fun. Yes. Okay. And then so we're gonna also do one to talk about and treason at the end of this month we just haven't decided yeah i was gonna a, say zero plans date. have been made to coordinate that but it will be happening at it point. might just be like the day before we're like hey what if we did this <laughs> hey, tomorrow? Do you live tomorrow so that works we'll find out we'll post about it yeah. um but i figured this way people who can't join the live can still hear what we have to say which i know we got a couple of comments on the lives of people or afterwards of people being like i couldn't join and there's no it's not like with instagram oh, live where there's a recording it? of it no it just it does kind of yeah like sometimes you get a notification that you can access your live afterwards but it depends if we're doing like 
a group one. I don't think it just, there have been a couple of times I've gone live to write and it's literally just me sitting in silence, typing on my laptop for 20 minutes. Yeah. And then they're like, here you go. In case you want to edit it. this into something. I'm like, I, I don't know what you want me to do with that. But I think when there's two hosts, it becomes a little bit more complicated. Yeah. Cause Dang. I know with TikTok, like if you join a live, you join with like the person that you're following or the, the person who's live you clicked on. So you mm. can't like see, like I couldn't see your followers commenting yes. on the live and really? vice versa. Yeah. It's a very weird, huh? Like it's a little messy. Maybe we do it on Instagram this time. Who we knows? Could. We could. We'll figure it out. We'll coordinate the night before. It'll, have, <laughs> yeah. It'll be yeah. like a sudden drop. Uh, mm-hmm. A surprise launch. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, so the Secret Service of Tea and Treason, the one and only, <sighs> from the one and only India Holton, one of my favorite people. I adore her like so much. I know. I, I mm. would die for her. Um. I'll, I'll never forget the experience of reading book one. I got the arc, and I don't remember signing up for it. It was just sent to me in my email before. Like, I had any followers or anything, and I had not heard anything about this book. I don't know how I got it. Um, and I started it, and I was so confused, but it was the best time ever. And I was, like, one of, I think, her first, like, reviews on social media. And she was like, oh, my God, a review. And I was like, ah, I don't know what's <laughs> happening. Because it was super early in whenever it came out. Maybe it was still even in 2020 because um, that's when I started my account. It was, like, September. Um, maybe it was early 2021 when I got the arc or whatever. but. Yeah, and look at look at us now, right? Look where we've look where we've come. Mm-hmm. Um, I so I do book reviews for this company called Cloud Lake Literary. They're based in Thunder Bay. Um, so at the time, I was doing run, one review a month, and they would send us catalogs, like publisher catalogs, and they'd be like, "Okay, go through, see what you like. If you see anything interesting, we can try to request it for you." And this one, like the cover, caught my eye. Mm-hmm. This was for Wisteria Society, and I was kind of looking at it, and I was like this sounds weird. Like, this sounds odd. I don't do historic, like, I'd never done a historical romance before. And I was like, you know what, though, if I'm going to get sent a free copy, like, it's not going to cost me anything. There's no real risk. Let's try it. It'll be like, you know, probably like a solid, like, three star, three and a half, a fun couple of days to read. And then I was on vacation. So I feel like, would it have been 2021? I was in Thunder Bay. Like, I happened Mm -hmm. to be visiting my family at the time. And I was loving it like I just remember as soon as I started an exact same situation I was like what the fuck is going on I'm sorry yeah. can we swear on this yeah, podcast yeah, yeah, yeah okay yeah but it's I was a, like it's rated e so excellent. we're good no it came children. out in June like, of 2021 okay, oh wow that makes okay. sense because I think so, I read it in I would have read it in either July or August okay like I, I don't got, know I got the... sent a, a finished copy well, that's exciting but I don't yeah, know I actually I am I, um, I need to I don't know. I need to host a giveaway for this series, though, because I've received all of them through Cloud Lake. I like I have not given India a penny of my own money. And I need to because I love these books so much. I need to support her financially. But um, yeah, I remember I was sitting in my grandma's living room and I was reading and I, I don't remember if it was a spicy scene and my family was nearby. Like they were all sitting at the dinner table and I was in the living room reading and I was like, mm-hmm. this book is so good. But like the beginning, I remember being like, OK, this I don't understand what's – I'm like, is the house flying? Like, they're talking about being pirates. But then they're like, go get the house off the ground. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? But then, you know, within 20 to 30 – like, 20 pages, you kind of get the gist of it. And the entire time, I just remember grabbing whoever was walking past me and being like, this is insane. I'm (laughs) loving it. And everybody was like, I don't care. I was like, you should care. Like, it's so good. 
And then I read League of Gentlewomen Witches yeah. and because Caroline had already read it. So I was able to scream to somebody, which was like so important mm -hmm. because I was like, oh my God, it's even better. Like it's even, it's even better, better than the first Absolutely. one. Mm. I think, I don't know if we're going to be getting into rankings and stuff, but I think mm. League might be my favorite of the three. It is. But mm. they all have something so different, different and so special about them. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I just, yeah, that was my think, experience. Caroline, tell us about your experience with the first book and how you found the series. I honestly don't remember a ton. I do remember it was, it must have been, it was like right after it came out, mm -hmm. um, it was still up for request on NetGalley. And sometimes even after a book is out, I'll request it if I'm not sure I want to buy a physical copy. Mm -hmm. um, because if I get approved, then I have the ebook copy. And if I like it, I can buy the physical copy. Which mm -hmm. is kind of cheating, but I still leave a review, so is it? Yeah. Um, so I got the the net galley arc, I think like right after it came out. And I remember pausing about halfway through the book to go order the physical copy of it. Cause I was mm -hmm. like, Well <laughs> My new personality is yeah, yeah. Ooh, this is it. Here we yeah. are. It was yeah. fairly early in my historical romance reading as well. Yeah. I think I was still pretty solidly in the like illustrated cover. Mm-hmm. Well, um, phase. That's also fun because it was early in mine too. So I thought it was like the super spicy book, and like especially like the first one is not. But no. like I remember thinking, "Whoa, <laughs> this is hot." I mean, it still was hot in the like India Holton hot. <laughs> Re when I reread it, I was like, "What? Why did I think this was like the hottest thing I'd ever read?" You're in and it, and you're like, I "Wow, Ned Lightborns." Yeah, but then I <laughs> mean, Alex. No, I mean. Captain O'Reilly can be the captain right? of my ship any day. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so that one, I... Ugh. Mm. I will say that, that one, I well, really for all three of the books, The I think the other ones are easier to read because if you've read the mm -hmm, first you've one... You already know. Yeah, you know the world building. Um, And, like, they do expand because obviously mm -hmm. in the second one you get the witches and in the third you get aunt. Um, But, like, you already kind of know what's going yep. on. And you it's know an what to read. expect. So the Wisteria Society, I liked it even better on the reread because yeah. mm. now when you you're know. not. Yeah, which I, mm -hmm. I love getting dropped into books. Um, mm -hmm. This is complete. It's a, like high fantasy, not at all romance. But the first um, Realm Breaker book by Victoria Aveyard was a fantasy book that I really enjoyed because it does kind of the same thing. Only instead of being like fun and hilarious, it's dramatic and high fantasy. Um, <laughs> but it just like drops you into a story. And yeah. it doesn't really do exposition. It just is like, go. So like, and media, medias race or something like that. Yeah. And medias res or whatever. Yeah. And medias, I don't know. Something from my humanities days. I was going to say, I have an English and film degree. I think it's something like Same. that. I don't even um, know what you're talking about. It's so. just like, it just in means the, it's you're like right, right in the middle. middle. Yeah. yeah. Sure. You're dropped right into the story. <laughs> um, I think it's and medias res, but anyway. Yeah. That sounds I mean, right. I but, sure did take Latin. I was a classics minor, oh so I sure God. should know. Um, <laughs> and I don't, not even a little bit. But it sounds correct, the words that you're saying. I mean, if none of us know the difference, we can pretend mm -hmm. that it's right and be really exactly. confident in that. Yeah. Um, and if it's I not think, right, it is now. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. I know def the definition, but Caroline knows my pronunciations um, go off the rails they, sometimes. They do sometimes leave yeah, a little so. to be desired, and that's okay. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. you're just a person who reads a lot and doesn't know how to say talk words because yeah. a, the, the, when they are written down, they look different. Omnipotent, mm -hmm. my enemy. The word kernel. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Silhouette is another weird one. I learned that one by reading and then I said it out loud and was shamed by my dance teacher. But like, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in like, if you mispronounce a word because you learned it by reading, like I'm, I'm just proud of you. And I would like yeah. to do very gentle coaching on pronunciation. But like, I, yeah, no, that was, that teacher was mean, but I'm always like, you mispronounce it because you learned it by reading. Good for you. Your pronunciation mm-hmm. is right now. Well done. There was one. I can't remember what it was, but it's one that like even now I struggle to pronounce. Um, and it's not facade, but it's something that has like mm. a similar set of let. La- you know how sometimes words in your brain go together even though they're not even a little bit related? It's a word that's mm-hmm. related to facade in my brain. And I can't remember what it was, but I do remember I was in a class in college and I said it out loud in front of the class to the professor. And the professor was like, oh, do you mean such and such? And like corrected my pronunciation. And I don't think anybody really cared or yeah. was paying attention, but I was like, Worst I want to die. I would have passed it's, away. I would have dropped the worst out. thing that's ever. And mm-hmm. he was like not like nasty. He was very yeah. kind. I adored that professor. Like, did not make a big deal of it. Just was like, oh, you mean such and such. And I was like, yeah. No, but yeah. I honestly think that would have made it worse. I would have been like, yeah. oh god, you're so nice about it. I need to evaporate in right now. And I still think about it. And I'm yeah. like, wow. <laughs> um. We have talked for so long. I was going to say, we are. so I told my partner that we were doing this tonight. And he's like, oh, how long do you think it'll be? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, yeah. I was like, like over an hour, but I don't know. And he goes, Megan, listen to me. If you're done in under two hours, I would be blown away. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, but I haven't done any prep. Like, I'm not prepped for that. And he goes, as soon as you start talking, you're going to be fine. <laughs> like, uh-huh. it will be. It's like, if you're done in under two hours, I will be shocked. <laughs> that tracks. Yeah, it, does. it really does. Uh, so accurate. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is correct. Um, we have been read for filth. Uh, without the tag in this known. tweet, <laughs> and I don't want to be. There's a tag in this yeah. photo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm in this photo, and I don't like mm-hmm. it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, speaking of, oh, actually, I'm bringing it all the way back to our conversation <laughs> about words around. that we wow. read and then said out loud without knowing how to pronounce them. Mm-hmm. Um. Big Alice energy, honestly, big Charlotte energy too. But I think, yeah, but definitely Alice. I think that's Alice reading the dictionary, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I respect so much. I think that's such a funny bit. Although um, the dictionary does have a pronunciation guide, that's so, true. And you know, Alice is thorough. That's so. so I feel true. like she would learn a new word and try to work it into conversation, or coax somebody else into using it so she can hear how mm-hmm. it's pronounced. Like that mm-hmm. seems like an Alice thing. That's valid. Right. So maybe it's more of a Charlotte thing. Maybe. That being said, the bit of her, I literally, and my grandma is not a fluent English speaker, but I started reading this book while I was at her house and I read her the passage and I was like, do you even understand? Like, do you, like, just from a translation perspective, like, do you understand what I just said? And she's like, yes, that's funny that she's reading a dictionary. And I was like, yes, exactly. <laughs> you got it. Yes. Mission it. accomplished. That's so funny. Uh, yeah. Oh, Alice. Oh, Alice. I would die for her. I'm like, where are I my notes? Do. What are the I will say, on? I initially, because I started reading this book in my grandma's, so my, I was like, I'm not going to tab it. I'm not going to do it. I don't have access to tabs, whatever. Um, but Caroline will know that when I read League of Gentlewomen Witches and then reread Wisteria Society, I was in a tab drought. I literally mm. had eight to ten tabs, period, that I was able to use. So I had to, like, brutally ration my tabs. <laughs> That's so, cruel. Like, I would if I can show you, like, I don't know if you can see, but, like, it's sparse. Like, there's not a whole lot of tabs yeah, in there. Sad. And there's, 
not a like not a ton of tabs in there. I can't tell if you can see it at all. It looks very blurry on my screen. And then this one has like three times the amount of tabs of the other two books combined. Because anything that made me giggle got a tab. Which was basically one line per page. That is the one benefit to me of reading on my phone um, or Kindle is being able to highlight. Because like um, the second book, I mean, I highlighted like half that book in my arc um, and I bought tabs to tab it and they are still in their container. Um, So that's depressing for me. But (laughs) I love going back and having like all of the like digital ones because I can search and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like I have to kind of read my notes as I'm listening to the audiobook and then like go in and mark things in my physical copy. Mm. Um, I have so many different formats of books. See, I'm a, I very, well, I don't annotate on the first go almost ever unless I'm reading an Mm. ebook. And even then when I annotate or when I highlight things, it's very sparse. Um, Interesting. So like when I went back, I made a graphic for, uh, and treason and i went mm-hmm. back to try to find a quote and i was like why have i only i, I think i only had like eight highlights something like that and i was like that's oh bizarre like why did i not highlight more so i reread it this time i just put on the audiobook because i was like i can go really fast mm-hmm. and like i already know what's happening and then as i was listening i was like oh no hang on and i had to go find in the like ebook where that was <laughs> so that i could highlight things because the second time i read through suddenly there's a million things i want to note mm-hmm. yeah so there's all the, or I would, I, I swear to God, towards the end, because in the beginning, it's mostly just like kind of funny things. But mm-hmm. in the last quarter of that book, I swear, mm. there's just like passages that I've highlighted because it's just the most romantic thing I've ever read in my life. Right? Or oh I'm my like, God. Like, oh. I did not expect Bixby to be <laughs> such a romantic lead. I was like, no. just because of how he is in Gentlemen uh-huh. Witches, I was like, he's going to be really withdrawn. He's going to be really quiet. Alice is going to kind of learn to read him a little bit and to to a big extent she does but at the same time you have him look at her and he's like I'm obsessed with this woman and I'm like I'm obsessed with you like that's wonderful and I was I was blown away like I just didn't expect Mm -hmm. to have as many of those like for him to be so openly emotional throughout the book yeah and it was like such a lovely surprise especially because Alice is like I absolutely do not care about this man that's Mm -hmm. a hard no and then Bixby's there and he's like, this is my wife. Like, I love her. That was well, and especially towards the end when he starts just constantly being like, you deserve love. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. you are wonderful. And just like all the verbal affirmations. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why am I weeping? Like, and like he said, mm. don't even. Oh, we, don't we can't talk about the epilogue. On the epilogue. <laughs> no, we we'll get we there. But we can't because we'll, we'll talk about that for the next hour. Mm-hmm. And then we won't touch on the rest of the book. That's another mm-hmm. one that, like, I think I started highlighting, like, a couple of passages, and then I was like, I actually have to stop because if I start, I will highlight the, the whole entire epilogue. Thing. Yep. There is, like, a whole paragraph. You can't really see it. That's a, I, I believe just it. one highlight. Yeah, no, we can't see anything, That's but okay. I believe you. It's a whole paragraph where I was like, yep, yep the yep, whole yep. thing, the whole thing. Yeah, no, I only tabbed one. I but and the rest of it, I was like, just imagine that the whole the whole epilogue is one big tab. But like, oh, wait, yeah, we'll get to the epilogue. But holy shit, it was perfect. Um, but I love Secret Service of Tea and Treason, and there were mm-hmm. certain things that while I was reading, I was making notes because typically I don't annotate or tab on the first read. I did with League because we were going live, and it was my first time ever going live, and I needed to do my homework. And right. then for with Serious Society, it was a reread. 
But for Secret Service, it was the same kind of thing where I was like, I need to do my homework. I need to be prepared. And at the same time, I went into this conversation, mm-hmm. like, just vibes. But like, I kept noticing, I, and I think I, I think I'm matching the vibe of this podcast perfectly, you are. which is fantastic. You did it. Um, but I remember we had talked about how the previous two books in the series, the depiction of ants, like aunts, as, as like a figure mm-hmm. and what they represent. And I kind of, and so as soon as it was like the, the governing body of the spy organization is aunt, I was like, this is going to be important. And as Mm -hmm. soon as we get to that point, like, and typically I don't catch like little manipulative moments right at the beginning, but Mm -hmm. when she's like, oh, Alice behind you. And Alice turns around and the, the lady like puts a bunch of sugar sugar in her tea. And I literally yep. tabbed it and I wrote just like evil. <laughs> yeah. Like, evil. That is wench like, behavior. Yep. Wench. But just that whole progression of like yeah. the ants getting kind of more and more menacing in like each book and how mm-hmm. then in comparison you see Darlington and she's like, sugar is terrible for you. And Alice is like, thank you. And I'm like, oh mm-hmm. my God, you belong here, Alice. <laughs> like stay here. Yeah, but that's, I love That's Star. why the – third act hit me so hard just because it was like deconstructing like all of the ants and stuff oh it was a time I'm trying to find my I definitely wrote a note about like the kind of slow reveal of the insidiousness Mm -hmm. yes because it is slow yeah and I mean um, you can tell like you said the sugar like you can tell it's something's off at the beginning the one that hit the most was when um, Alice talked about the beatings and Bixby yes. was like, you were beat? And she's like, oh, it's fine. And he's like, I wasn't. What are you talking about? Um, that one. There's yes. one deep. Let me find the quote because I think it was shortly after that. Because once you get to that point, there's a lot of mm-hmm. moments like that. Where yeah. He's mm-hmm. like, mm, pardon? Yeah. Mm, what? Um but there's like I highlighted an entire chunk and it's another one where Daniel is like, it matters, like you matter. Yes. Um when he says that out loud, I uh, was like stop. <gasps> Well, but so the part that I ended up highlighting was um turning her head to the window, she squinted against the light, determined to see neither the mingled look of love and lethality in Daniel's eye, nor the wan, sad ghost of a girl who had been caned repeatedly over the years until she learned to mask her oddness behind a thousand faces. It does matter, Daniel argued, you matter. But she knew that it did not, or sorry, she knew that she did not. Not the woman she was deep within, nor the girl she had been. Neither did the love she shared with this beautiful, dangerous, gentle man matter. The mission might be finished, but Aunt owned her soul. God. And then you've got that mirrored in, like, like Daniel's tattoo and how yeah. she analyzes, like, it's, like, the fact that it's climbing up his spine and, like, how it's, like, choking and thorny and mm-hmm. all that. And, like, they – I like that the book explored how they have different relationships with Aunt and because yeah. they were male and female agents, they were raised completely differently. And even though they have almost the exact same, like, behaviors and they have the same sorts of, like – Mm-hmm. Um, triggers and certain things that like will trigger overstimulation and they're very similar on that front but they were treated completely differently and you have to assume it's because of their genders he's going to be a male yep. agent she's going to be more of a fixer and a cleaner um, and so the fact that it's like look how similar they are and look how differently they were treated but at the same time like neither one's trauma is like undervalued to kind of elevate the other one's trauma but like it just hit hard and to a point that like it got darker than I was expecting mm-hmm. in terms of how 
bad the treatment was for them Mm -hmm. as children, but I feel like it was handled really, really well. And like the book, it didn't like offset the tone of the book, but the, the humor, like we were in a quiet moment, like the, the really humorous, like loud hijinks parts had kind of eased back to give us Mm -hmm. a window to like sit with this. And I feel like that was handled really well that like Holton can kind of really balance these crazy, funny, outrageous moments and then really Mm -hmm. ease back and have these really tender, like unpackings of trauma. And it's just like, it's hard to balance that well, but I feel like she does it really well in a story that is like insanely hilarious and over the top, but you can still sit there and like really sit with these characters. You have it too in League. I think it's better in this one, but you do have Mm -hmm. like the moment in League of Gentlewomen, which is where they've ended up in the dungeon. And that's when- Really more so that's when you pack unpack Alex's trauma because you've kind of been getting Charlotte's throughout. Mm-hmm. But that's the first time you really sit down and Alex like tells her what happened. Mm-hmm. But I think in this one, it's, it, I mean, it's done really well there also. But I think in this one, she does even better of a job of like building up to it and like giving you a lot of moments where you kind of pause and have this like, here's a horrible thing that they experienced. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, no, that's devastating to read although i will say i appreciate that like they had these horrible traumatic experiences and they were different because of like their gender and what they went through but also there's a really lovely moment where alice says like she always kind of felt like she was in love with him because yeah b B had gone before her and so like they knew what to expect with her because someone had experienced Uh it before her I'm looking at it right yeah I'm looking at it right now there's one in chapter eight at the beginning that's when they were made to kiss in front of everyone Mm -hmm. um and so then it goes to that Mm -hmm. like situation that's normally like very comical or like a very like rom-com-esque situation and then it immediately goes into them holding the broom back at the academy and how she was like the like process of having to do it in front of everyone while they were watching it's like a very simple just holding the broom but because everyone was watching it was super over overwhelming um and then you learn that agent b the year prior destroyed the entire room the same as alice the next year um and how they both experience that same thing and so then when they have to kiss and it's a very like small tender kiss i mean it changed her entire like worldview at that moment um and everyone else is like whoa that was you guys have been married for three years that was <laughs> odd um but just like the levels of that scene I think I wrote omg in my <laughs> yeah. my notes because I was like oh <sighs> I um I think about that part and then I think they're talking about the same incident or a similar incident later and then Alice is yeah talking about how she was like overstimulated and she she broke something and she got hit and he mm-hmm. was like, no, they took me to, like, the shooting range. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's it was done really well where you get to see how they're so similar and how mm-hmm. this whole time they've been supporting each other even though they didn't mm-hmm. know it. Like, I love that chapter at the beginning or that bit at the beginning where she's like, I would mm-hmm. love to have a slumber party with B. And I'm like, <laughs> you will. Just wait. Um, <laughs> that whole part was hilarious. Why did Agent B have a slumber party with this princess? <laughs> Yeah, Agent B must be a woman because yeah. why else would she be having a slumber party with this princess? And then, um, like in the middle, oh, I, I'm beginning to suspect that it wasn't. Um, they didn't do much a, sleeping or something. A slumber party. Well, also when she um, mentions it to Daniel, and he's like, 
Uh, what? That was a rumor. <laughs> this isn't where I was originally going with this, but all of Alice's like accidental innuendos and the how they get just, hmm. they just get ridiculously more and more explicit hmm. and Daniel is just losing his shit next to her the entire time. But like, it never failed to make me, and I'm not huge, like a lot of times I'll find like innuendos don't land because I'm like, mm-hmm. eh, that was kind of like low hanging. But every time she did it, because she's like, so genuinely not aware mm-hmm. of what she's saying and how it's coming across or like all of the other women are like clearly having a conversation about sex and Alice is talking about something completely different like it cracked me up every single time especially mm-hmm. when she was talking with Daniel but I felt like those all landed really really well yeah well, the, also, the walk the plank one was hilarious yeah walk the plank was good it reminded there's a really similar conversation in league where mm-hmm. Charlotte is making just innuendo after innuendo unintentionally mm-hmm. and Alex is suffering. Um, I can't remember the exact context, but like I yeah. remember being like, this is the funniest thing I've ever read. Um, but also all of the moments where the pirates all have known that they are spies. Yeah. Yes. Literally the entire, and they keep making references to it and like little jokes and Alice, because she's Alice, has not picked up on any of it the entire time. They're like, hmm, something's with private eyes. Like, yeah. They are so fully aware. The pirates are so funny. Yes, that killed me. <laughs> oh, the pirates. Well, and also I love, and India Holton has posted about, like, writing these two autistic characters as obviously an autistic person. Um, mm-hmm. And how, like, they're different, even though they have, they like, they're both autistic, but there are different ways that that manifests. And I mm-hmm. really enjoy, like, they do have a lot of similar triggers, and so they understand each other in many ways. But then also you have, like, Daniel, who's better at, like, what uh, the, the, the euphemisms and, like, mm-hmm. what is the mm-hmm. word I'm, like, wordplay. Yeah, yeah he's better Alice, with, Right. Like, better interpersonal with, like, subjective language. Yeah. yeah. And so he can, like, <laughs> there's a really sweet, I think it's, um either right before or right after she saves cecilia and somebody uses like a turn of phrase and he goes idiom or like yep like just yeah, kind like, of quietly to her is like mm-hmm. like saves her from the confusion yeah and i think it happens a couple of times where he's like mm-hmm. just standing kind of near her and she doesn't have to look to him or any because at first like but it's just it's not even more than a line but it's literally just mm-hmm. idiom daniel right. supplied and it's like just that the fact that he noted but then at the same time then she'll notice when he gets really, really calm and she shoots yeah. people out of the room. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. they can notice each other. Like, he can tell that she struggles with um, subjective language and so he helps her with that. And she can tell when he's getting overstimulated and murderous because mm-hmm. people are being stupid. And so she knows, like, how to save people from, like, his scary calm. And it's cool because, like, on a lot of fronts, they are – they do have similar triggers, but then at the same time – it was really cool watching them learn each other's like different mm-hmm. habits and different um, like sensitivities and how they were able to kind of like support each other in those. I'm sorry, I kind of cut you off, but like I just I love that whole dynamic. Well, and he does it during sex scenes too. Like mm-hmm. there's a moment where she starts like tapping her fingers and he oh the tapping yeah, and he immediately stops to like figure yes. out how to make it better yeah. or like switches to a firmer hold. Which mm-hmm. also there's a line about like her whole life instead of learning how to touch her people pull away and mm. he doesn't he leans in and mm-hmm. i'm like well it's time to cry now i guess mm-hmm. right um, and it, like it's almost like that's part of why she doesn't like to be touched gently because it's yeah. so easy 
to to pull away from something that's a gentle touch. So when he mm-hmm. notices that she's like nervously stimming, he'll yep. like grip her harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's cool that they mm-hmm. show that like he learns to do that. Mm-hmm. He yeah. doesn't see her stimming and go, I'm going to hold on harder. Right. He learns that that's what she wants. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that he notices her getting overwhelmed and he's like, right, no gentle touches. And he crushes her against yep. him. And I'm like, yes. Like it's just when she, oh my God, the scene where he, he like, just cracks him in the her. jaw or something. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, and how she's like, you have to be careful. I'll try to kill you. And he's like, I won't let you. And he just holds her tighter. And she's like, perfect. I can finally let go around this person because I physically could not overpower him and murder him if I get overwhelmed. I'm like, honestly, that's a vibe. Like, I I love it. Time to cry. But yes, the scene when he just hugs her and she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, just, I'm just holding you. I want to hold you. And because I know there are, I remember I learned about this in Grey's Anatomy, I think. But there was that heart doctor who was autistic and was prone to getting overstimulated in, like, really loud environments. And so she goes to Christina and she's like, I need you to hug me. Like, I need an even, steady, hard pressure and that'll force my body to calm down. Mm. And that's not totally why Daniel hugs her. But I just thought Mm -hmm. about, like, he gives her a really hard, firm hug and it helps Mm -hmm. her, like, settle back into herself. And I was like, hey, Grace Anatomy (laughs) reference. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Oh, such a good book. I also think it's so fun. The first two have been kind of opposites attract. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, obviously, as is the case with basically any good opposites attract, you, like, come to find that they are more similar than yeah. they appear on the surface, right? Like, Alex and Lottie's traumas are very complementary, and etc. But really, both of those are very opposites attract, even Ned and Cecilia. You have, like, outlandish Ned versus take no shit cecilia Mm -hmm. god i love Mm -hmm. them um i think this is the first one where we really get like two similar people that like they're Mm -hmm. on the same pit like they're competing they're like almost in the exact same position like they're they're at the top of their Mm -hmm. organization they have very similar skill sets they're really, really aggressively good at cleaning and folding. But, like, oh, they're <laughs> folding the sheet scene. Yes, in the, in the, the elevator. Closet. Yeah. Yes. Everybody's <laughs> like, all right, I'm going to take the stairs. Um. Or when, like, both of them are – it's, like, before Daniel starts – when they're sharing the bed and she looks up at the ceiling and she's like, I need to come back with a broom later and or, like, a mm-hmm. mop and, like, mop mm-hmm. the ceiling. And then at the end of the scene, Daniel's like, God, I need to come back and mop the ceiling. And I'm like, you're the same. <laughs> Uh, but it's so good and it is different like especially because in the last two books we hadn't seen that Mm -hmm. and I think that's part of why I was expecting like I think that's part of why Daniel in particular took me so by surprise because Alice is really reserved even like with us we don't Mm -hmm. get a lot of her emotions like we figure out what she's feeling because she tells us she's feeling the opposite way yeah Mm -hmm. and then we get scenes that are more from Daniel's perspective and he's a lot more upfront about his emotions and because I thought they were going to be so similar I thought he was going to be a lot more reserved and we were going to get a lot more of like, I couldn't possibly be having feelings. But pretty quickly, Mm -hmm. she was like, I'm finding this woman incredibly endearing. And that's a little bit of a problem, but it is how I feel. And I was like, I like that. Like it was, it was, but it was still like at their core, they still felt like very similar Mm -hmm. people, but it was nice that even still they felt really distinct from each other, like while reading. Yeah, that was even at the end when, um, you know, Daniel got out, like, right away and went to Alex and stuff. And, I mean, that in itself was just seeing them hug. 
Yeah, stop oh the line God. where he says, "I'm going home," and then immediately goes to Alex. The, and then the- Alex right away knows that something's yeah. wrong. Yeah, it was. I mean, that's like. I mean, part of the last like twenty five percent that just absolutely guts you. It's eviscerating. Um, like, just it's start so crying crazy. and don't stop. That's yeah. where I, I know was because. At. It was so just the friendship and the love between them. And then how you see Alice, who um, it was really sad to see her back in the, um, you know, aunt role until she's like, nobody steals her books and her Mr. Bixby. Yes, got no away with my it. Mr. Bixby. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. That's my favorite line in the entire book. No one steals my Mr. Bixby. Like, took me out. It see, was. I think, I think mm. mine was like two pages later when he goes. I'm sorry I couldn't get to you sooner. And she like he's like, I'm sorry I didn't come for you sooner. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm sorry I didn't escape and make that yeah. unnecessary sooner. And I love those scenes where it's like they're like, I just love that where he's like, I want like I wish I could have come for you faster. And she's like, mm-hmm. I wish I could have come to you faster. Like yeah. I just and the fact that they were both on the same page, like that mm-hmm. hits me. And I was like, I have to mention that at some point because yeah. I loved that line. I but, right. Hang on, wait, while we're talking favorite lines, I have to contribute. <laughs> I have two. No one move on. Hold on. It's important because it's related. Number one is related to the like, because they have two very mirrored or like parallel lines with her. They Nobody takes her books and nobody takes her Mr. Bixby. But he yeah. has, but he'd found that heart and they'd taken it from him. They'd yes. taken Alice. Illegal. Mm-hmm. All right. And then two is home, Alice said dreamily looking at Daniel again. Where is that? I don't know yet, he said. Shall we find out? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's. Anyway, continue. That was all. I just, I simply, oh, oh, wait, I had another point before we move on from this part of the discussion. Yeah, Um, I do do too. I'll get in line, but like, I do too. (laughs) Like, hold our hands up, like in a Zoom room, you click the little raised hand. Um, I think part of the reason, besides just the, like, their autism is slightly different in each of them, and so I think Daniel's already better with, like, interpersonal, just like he's Mm -hmm. better with, um language um but i think part of it is absolutely that he was undercover with alex and was a pirate for so long Mm -hmm. because already you've seen what happens when you take somebody out from this very oppressive organization that's trying to force you into a certain role and the answer is he starts to like develop (laughs) feelings and like love other people and like discover that he can be something outside of that whereas alice has literally never had that at mm-hmm. all in any capacity because she was taken from an orphanage when she was six and was raised in this really insidious organization and so I think that's part of why like Daniel has people that he can go to mm-hmm. and be like I am sad and I miss you and everything is wrong and so he figures out sooner that he needs to yep. get out of this whereas mm-hmm. I mean Alice was planning on escaping mm-hmm. but her response but wasn't was- I'm gonna leave right now because she didn't mm-hmm. have anybody to go to she had to have a plan to yeah. do it yeah she was also put in a little bit more of a position where they were like someone's going to escort you to your mm-hmm. next assignment whereas Bixby they were like go home yeah we, we trust you you're fine yeah go yeah. home bud I think also um, like they knew he would I mean he had just like fucked up those guys after yeah. drinking they a ton of him drink and it didn't they, <laughs> they gave him a tranquilizer like, yeah and he still like took those guys out so I think at a certain point they know like Mm-hmm. Bixby's not somebody we can <laughs> yeah we can't physically detain him right whereas Alice again has not spent time with the pirates is not gonna fight back or so they think because they've got their claws in her mm-hmm. isn't there actually a line 
where she says something about how hard the last weekend's been. And Daniel's like, I lived with a pirate for two years. Like, I can only imagine how overwhelmed you are because I'm overwhelmed and I've been I've been exposed mm-hmm. to this before. So they're kind of like laying that groundwork already that like Daniel's a little bit more primed to get out than mm-hmm. Alice is because he's had that extra exposure. And like you see Alex and Charlotte also like all of the cameos every time Amazing. Alex, Charlotte, Ned, and Cecilia showed up, I was like, ah! Like every time. So good. Mm-hmm. When also so Daniel's good. friendship immediately, like the first time you meet up with Alex and Charlotte and he's like, mm-hmm. oh, I I love y'all and I miss you. But like he <laughs> right? like internalizes it all and Charlotte is like, okay, now hug. Mm-hmm. You guys tell, you, hug. tell each other you love each other. Right. Like, this is the truth. Sorry. Before we move on, though, yeah. I have another favorite line and it is in the epilogue, which I know we said we wouldn't talk about. But just when it Did shows- you mean the whole epilogue? <laughs> just it's, the the one, it's the one line I tabbed. Everyone sit still while I read you six pages of the book that I left. Um, no, but it's the line. It was like... I'm seated. Um, it was, they were honorary aunties and uncles to each other's children, which mm-hmm. like stabbed me in the heart because sure. they've all had these unhealthy auntie relationships and now they're not giving that to each other's kids. But then the other line was immediately after, but it's Alice wished she could reach back to little Alice, hunched alone and hurting in a dormitory bed and assure the girl that time would see her happy and loved just the way she was. And I'm like, oh my God. But the big thing is just that aunties and uncles and that way that like they've all been able to like heal each other. And again, we'll go into more detail when we get to the epilogue. But I was like, we're talking favorite lines. And that part really, really gets I also have some favorite lines out of that epilogue. Yeah, we'll get there. But I feel like I'm snorting emotion. (laughs) Like... (laughs) India Holton was like, what if I, <laughs> I'm going to create an epilogue that is so emotionally damaging, but also healing. I'm making that meme as soon as we're done. Here. I actually, I have that meme. Pull, yeah, like, yeah. I yeah. have that. I think it's on Mimetic right now because I was making something else with that format. So I literally have it primed <laughs> and ready to go. I, it hurts my heart in like that, like if everything is right way where you're like, yes. this is so wholesome. And it's everything mm-hmm. that I want and love in life. I, um, I had – so I had a friend come up to me at work because we've got a bunch of Secret Service in right now. And we have two copies of League. And we don't have any with Serious Society because I keep putting my staff pick sticker on it and putting it in the staff pick bay. And it sells really well. Like mm-hmm. I think we've sold 10-ish copies. Like it's moving. So I'm like, you know what? That's how I'm, <laughs> that's how I'm paying India for these beautiful books that I never paid for. But um, – she was like, hey, can I just start with Secret Service since that's the one we have? And I was like, absolutely not. And she's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, no, you have to read them in order. Well, don't they all follow yeah. different couples? Yes, but you have to read them in order. Mm-hmm. They build on each other. Wisteria Society sets up the world and it sets up the incantation. And then Witches builds on that and gives you a new society. But it doesn't go back and re-explain the incantation. It just shows you yeah. a different way that it's used. And then Secret Service kind of does that again. You've got the characters who were introduced in the previous book, and it wraps everything up so per- – I'm like, you absolutely cannot read that epilogue until you're at no. the end. Like, you can't do that book first. You just can't. No, absolutely not. I'm going to go hide mm-hmm. all the copies of Secret Service until everybody's read book one and two. But, like – It would also just be so confusing. It was. Because- as, as confusing as book one may have been to start, I couldn't imagine dropping into this. Um, book three. No, first. because you've got like, pirates and witches, yeah. and a secret society, like secret society, survey, society words. You know <laughs> what I'm service. saying? <laughs> the secret service. Yeah. Like, and she doesn't explain pirates or witches. 
No. It's expected that you know. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's a series. It really does yeah. have to be read chronologically. And that's I have I love a good romance series where you really can dive in anywhere. And mm-hmm. I feel like historicals are a really good place mm-hmm. for nice that. And that. I know yeah. a lot of times it benefits you to read the series in order, but you don't have to. But this one you absolutely do. And so I've mm-hmm. always struggled with because League is my favorite of the three. So I want to mm-hmm. put my staff pick sticker on that and make sure we order copies of it. But you can't like I can't put that in the bay because you're gonna pick yeah. that up and you're not gonna have any idea what's going on. And it is just like and then yeah, mm-hmm. you read Secret Service of Tea and Treason and you get to that epilogue and it's the end of everybody's story. Mm. Like you just can't you can't read it until you've read all three of them and you're at the end because it wraps everything up so perfectly. God, they're good books. Yeah. That that epilogue is I know Caroline won't support this. Um but at the end of the Twilight movies with a thousand um, years playing. And the, yes. there's like a whole dramatic like dr- thousand years and all the different characters throughout the movie at the end of like the fifth one or whatever. I guess. Yeah. Fifth one. Because there are four. Okay. Um, and that's just how this rolls in my mind because it, it perfectly encapsulates like every character and it's just so emotional. Um, so I'll gladly put my dollar in the Twilight tax jar um, because a thousand years forever. <laughs> Do we have to pay a fine if we mention that book? No. Twilight and Shrek. It's just uh, that Hannah mentions Twilight like every episode. It's hard. It's a and I've never story. read or seen Twilight. So everything really? I've ever learned about Twilight has been against, against my will. will. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you and I will have some separate conversations because I know a lot about – not that it's like I, w- I had my Twilight era. Yeah. And then I had my – Twilight Renaissance era where I just really liked looking at Tumblr posts from the Twilight Renaissance because I find them fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm bad with like I'll sit and I'll watch the movies and I'll be that person who leans over and is like so blah 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 and I'm like whispering little <laughs> secrets and whatever. Um, and then the baseball scene will be coming up and I'm like this is literally one of the best scenes in cinema. Like it's so good and I'm a film student like I'm a film major. I have a degree in movies and I lean over and tell people that's one of the best scenes ever put to film and I stand by that. Um, but actually, yeah. sorry, this is only tangentially related, but while we've been talking, I got a text from my aunt asking how much the box set of Twilight would cost. Amazing. <laughs> I'm like, I could loan you my copies, except all of the covers are coming off. Like, they're a bit of a mess, but. I'm yeah, like, I, I never. Them, I never. Oh, there are, there are so many at thrift stores. Oh, you go um, to Value Village and you can get the yeah. entire series. Like, it'll be yeah. fine. Every thrift store has Twilight. Um, yeah. I never read the books. I've just watched the movies. <gasps> what? Um. I I was like I've always been an audiobook person and I despise the narrator um, oh. of the audiobooks. My parents listen to them, like both of them. Everyone here is a Twilight fan in my family. Um, but I've only seen the movies. And so like I don't know everything, but I think I know like a good amount, especially from what they've told me that I've missed and stuff. Um, well, so another day will come on again after both of you have read the books. I'm inviting myself back, and it'll we'll, be an after hours episode. Yeah, yeah and we'll yeah. and we can discuss the Twilight series. I actually the difference between the books and the movies and all that. But, okay, the other option is you can say, and I'll read them to you. That can happen too, but that's going to be a much longer episode, and then we're going to have all this copyright shit that we have to deal with. I think so, actually that it would be funnier if. Uh, the episode is you all explaining Twilight to me. <gasps> Can we mm-hmm. do that? <laughs> we, ha- we have a we have a pod- or a newsletter exclusive podcast where we have posted zero like full length episodes. Um, but that's where we can just it's, get truly off the it's rails. Involve alcohol, and yeah. I think it would be amazing. 
really yeah. funny. So I think really funny. we'll put a pin in that mm-hmm. and come we'll back for that after hours later. episode when we all get drunk and you explain the plot of Twilight to me. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm genuinely I know a fair amount of references. I couldn't yeah. tell you the plot, but I know a lot. I know the spider monkey <laughs> quote. I know what the hell are you, how, how the hell have you Bella, been, where the Loka, hell have you been? <laughs> whatever that one is, the Loka quote. I know you nicknamed my daughter after the Loch Ness Monster. Loch Ness Monster. So, like, All three of those I have said in this podcast. I like, knew them before you said them, episodes. Yeah, but, you but those are the, those are the main ones, yeah, because they are the best. You named my daughter after the Loch Ness, the Loch Ness Monster. So Ugh. I know the important things. Um, you do. Those are the three most important bits, although we will be covering the baseball scene. In <laughs> oh, I've show. seen the baseball scene. Amazing. <laughs> That's all you need, then, honestly. There's um. <laughs> Those to three an, quotes another, and the baseball scene. To add another, um, you know, pop culture thing that we always reference, Taylor Swift, when she was on SNL, um, they did a parody of Twilight. Bill Hader was um, Edward and Taylor was Bella. And it's the best five minutes of an SNL skit that I've ever seen. Um, I have to watch that. It's so, I'll link it in the show notes. It is so funny. Um, they're But they're Frankenstein. They're not vampires. And it's the most hilarious thing ever and that whole i mean that whole snl episode like i had it on my ipod nano um like the one small episode was just on that little ipod and it got its usage because it's such a good um snl you know episode anyway but that twilight one lives forever in my mind rent free i pay it rent actually Ooh, so. sorry. La- last thing. <laughs> I pay it rent. Sorry. Last thing, and then we can move on from the Twilight thing. But um, we will, in our in our recap, we will also be discussing The Short Second Life of Bree Tanner, which I would argue is the best of the Twilight books. We'll discuss. Uh, you look confused. I'll explain later. I, have no- I was like, I have no clue what this is. It's a spinoff. So you know how in Eclipse, um, there's like the newborn army that's yeah. coming in? And then you know how there's that one random scene where there's that one that girl? girl. And Esme's yeah. like, we're going to keep her. She's innocent. And then she just gets freaking. Yeah. So that's Brie. Oh. And so Stephanie Meyer wrote a really short little book about Brie. And as she was writing, she was like, I got to be honest with you. My biggest regret in this series was killing off Brie. I was going to say, she just her beheaded book, her right there. Right. And she's like, as I was writing her book, I realized like I love her. And she kind of like retcons a bunch of her lore so like the whole vampire sparkle thing she actually makes that make sense in Bree's book how fascinating it's fascinating we will discuss we'll, we'll discuss that later <laughs> this I... is how I'm convincing you guys to invite me back I'm gonna drop these little tidbits but not actually give you the answers <laughs> until next time we'll never know why vampires sparkle no you gotta until invite me back to you. Mm-hmm. I respect that yeah mm. Is this how it feels? Just reading one of the later two books, completely <laughs> skipping mysterious. Is that you're like what? Flying houses, <laughs> witches. Like I just read. I just read my head around the alleged witches, and now you're telling me that houses fly. Mm. Mm. It's such a difficult series to summarize too. Like to yeah. try to sell it when I describe it to people, because I'm like, okay. There's one fantastical element, and that's that houses fly. I just need to get that off the bat. And they go, what? And I'm like, Lady Pirates, Captain Flying Houses. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, just trust me on this one. <laughs> because I'm like, it's better if you go in knowing that. If you mm-hmm. figure it out on your own, that's fine. But it's really hard to sell the series without explaining yeah. that that's what's going on. Oh, yeah. 
And then it's like, you know, oh, yeah, and then this assassin shows up to try to kill Celia, which, of course, is fantastic because that means she made it. And then, you know, cue laughter. And then um, she has to pair up with her assassin who's already a little bit in love with her. And then they laugh again. And it's like, yes, this <laughs> I'm going to sell this book today. But you always have to start with flying houses and the moment of like, what the hell is this woman trying to sell me? And you're like, just trust me. It's going to be great. <laughs> We don't, we're not even going to get into the alleged witches. Like, we'll, we'll deal with that later. That's a whole book later. You got to get into the pirates first. Yeah. Understand pirate logic, which yeah, is Wrap your brain problem. around that. Because Ugh. then witch logic is the opposite. Mm-hmm. So you, sh- you got to get the one established. This series is the epitome of just stay with me. Yeah, it really just humor you me on this. Start this book, and it's it's literally like just stay with me. Just yeah. just it'll it'll make sense. Just keep reading. Yeah, you'll just, get there. Yeah, and there there's no moment to stop and be like, "How are you doing?" It's literally like, "Just trust me. We're just gonna keep going. You can't stop. You, know you gotta just move with sound, it." Or it's like, "Now take my hand and we wait and go. We're going <laughs> and we're running. We're going." That's this series. Yeah. But there is no moment of like we wait. It's literally just take my hand and then you're running. Yeah, the more I, I think about that. it, book one is so wild with the Bronte guy. Unhinged. Like it because I've that that's the one I've read the least, just because book two is my favorite. Um, oh, I suppose I, book three is technically the one I've read the least, but like book two is just more of a romance novel to me than book one. Um, so it's a little bit more my style. But just thinking about everything that happens in book one, like, I'm impressed that I was able to stay along. Yeah, and, like, the fact fact that you jump into it with no – like, with Mm -hmm. League and Secret Service, you know what you're getting. Like, you sit down and you know what you're jumping into. But with Mysterious Society, the fact that, yeah, like, that we were able to sit down and just be in this and be like, cool, Mm -hmm. this is what's happened. And, like, to try to tell people you have a villain who is – super inspired by the Brontes like it's so weird it's such a weird and she's got a maid who can see ghosts but not really like it's just but it all makes sense when it does does. when you're in it yeah I got my friend to read the first one I don't know if she ever read the second one because she definitely was not a fan of it she actually listens to the podcast so hello Maddie. Maddie but she wasn't a fan of book one but I'm like you should stick around for book two because that is a little bit more like you already know what's happening. And it's a little mm-hmm. bit more like romance novel esque. Um, I'm like, you got the hard work out of the way with book one, um, and I don't, I don't know if she ever did book two, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough sell. But I think once you get over that hump of just like flying houses, yeah. Um, so I always, I start with that. I get that out of the way, yeah. And then I mm-hmm. like to, I like to tell people too. It's like. It is, like, it's a historical romance, and it's making fun of, like, it's satirizing the Brontes mm-hmm. and Jane Austen and those sorts of tropes. So, like, it's slower to start. The writing style isn't easy. Like, it's not modern, simple writing. There's a lot of, like, wordplay and, like, mm-hmm. clever word choices. But once you're in it, like, it is going to move quickly. Like, you're going to be in it. It's just going to take you a minute. And a coworker mm-hmm. of mine, she's tried twice, and she's yep. made it to about 50 pages And then we've spoken um, and they were like, hey, should I try it again? And I'm like, well, it is – like book one was my favorite book of 2021. Book two was my favorite book of 2022. Book three is up there for 2023. So like, no, I don't think you should try it again. (laughs) Like, yes, definitely give it another shot now that you kind of know what it's about because I really do think that it's worth it. But it is – 
I know a lot of people who are like, I tried it. I couldn't get past 20 pages. And I'm like, now that you know, I think you should try it again. I will say, I think this is the one series that like, I adore it. I would die for it. I push it on people all the time. But if like, I have friends who read it and are like, I didn't Mm -hmm. really like it. Yeah, I I understand. understand Like they say that and I'm like, yeah, I don't think it's for everybody. No, no, I fully agree it's with that. It's a really specific niche group of people that mm-hmm. like that yeah. style of humor and that like get all the because there were even in the third one there were references I didn't get. Like I knew they mm-hmm. were a reference, but I just didn't. It was like a literary reference that I don't have that touch point. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think because it's more of like a spy movie and spy literature homage, a lot of the references went over my head this time. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I caught a lot of a lot of Austin, a lot of Bronte. You pointed out some Star Wars ones in the second one, but like. In this one, I don't know that I caught – like, I don't know that I saw any references, and I was like, ooh, reference. Like, I think a mm-hmm. lot of them stuck past me. I got a lot of – there were, huge... like, Dickens and other, like – Yeah, actually, the Dickens ones I got. Those actually – I think I tabbed one of those. They made me laugh, but like they do, I do she, agree. she does that thing where she, like, reworks quotes. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, and I did, like, yeah. where they – yeah, and they, like, quote things to each other, but I – Like, um, it starts with, it was the best of dress shops. It was the worst of dress shops. Yes. Like, like that kind of thing. Like, I can get yeah. those, but a lot of times they'll be like, oh, have you read such and such? And I'm like, I don't know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But I will say, like, if you're not big into, like, the Brontes or Austin or, like, Victorian li- – or even, like, I was kind of surprised that this was, like, the first real historical romance that you enjoyed because I wouldn't recommend it to somebody who doesn't already Never. read at least a little bit of historical romance because I think mm-hmm. a lot of it is playing with – well, actually, it really is more playing with Victorian literature than it is with yeah. historical romance itself. And I think yeah. because I'd read historic, like, I'd had to read – um like Austin and Bronte and stuff like that for school. So I had just read that or been actively reading it in university. So it worked for me because I had just been consuming and analyzing those. Mm -hmm. And I remember actually I had just graduated and I emailed my prof um, who was like retiring, but I emailed her and I was like, okay, so we've talked about, cause we'd done like, she does classes on like, she teaches you like how to duel. And then she has us like, you duel each other. Like she makes you like there. And it's like, it was awesome, but you have to follow all the rules and whatever. And so I, I, cause I was her TA. So I sent her, I was like, you should do that Hamilton song. Cause it actually breaks down the rules of dueling really, really well. Like you play it in class. Um, but then I emailed her and I was like, I'm not saying you have to teach it, but I genuinely think you would love this book. Yeah. Because I was like, I just think like, it's that perfect blend of all of those things. But yeah, no, it was my first historical. And I do think, like, I don't think I've read any other historical that's been like that. It'd be hard to follow up. But like, what would you do to do something similar? I mean, you would have to look in. There are other historical paranormals, but they're Mm -hmm. not the same brand of humor. No. No, I think really what I I did was um, this just kind of opened my mind to historical romance. And it also opened my mind to anything that's kind of like genre bending. So I started, Mm -hmm. like, even I always talk about, like, a Natural History of Dragons is a book that I never would have read if I hadn't read this, even though they're complete, like completely different. Mm-hmm. But it just sort of opened my eyes to like something that's not fully like in the mainstream or something that's written a little bit more niche. And so now I love that tiny genre of like lady scientist studies magical thing. And I'm mm-hmm. obsessed with that genre. <laughs> and I never would have read that. Like I never would have dabbled in that if not for The Dangerous Damsels. And with historical romance, I think really I started going based off of Caroline's recommendations. Like I saw you posting other things and you were talking about relationship dynamics. And I was like, okay, I think that would work for me. So I did like Portrait of a Scotsman was probably my first like official historical romance. 
and I loved it. And then so I have the other two in the series. Mm -hmm. I've read the Bringing Down the Duke, but I haven't read the second one. I have like the Kit Webb books, but I haven't read them yet. The Duke Undone, I absolutely loved, but it was a little bit more like it's a historical romance and not so much like a rom com. Like it's a little bit yeah, heavier. That one's heavy. That's a that's a heavy book. Book but two I loved though. It. Caroline just read book three. Yeah, I love that one. Book book, book two is my favorite in the series. The um, uh, the green the green one the the green one the is Runaway Duchess. Duchess. Yeah. Okay, I think mm-hmm. the the Duke Undone was my favorite because I've done the Runaway Duchess and I liked it. But mm-hmm. it didn't – and I really liked how – because I was worried that she wasn't going to be a likable character, but I really yeah. liked her and the romance. But something mm-hmm. about the Duke Undone, I can't even remember a lot of the details, but something about the mm-hmm. romance really stuck with me. Like, I still think about it really fondly, even though the details haven't fully stuck. I'm mm-hmm. obsessed with the Wild Winchesters because mm-hmm. I watched um, Bridgerton because I was like – it's the vi- so there are a lot of things, and I've been very open about this. I don't know – what like I know a duke is better than a viscount, but I don't know how any of it stacks up. None of it. And, and Caroline was like, "I'm going to make a video," and I was like, "I will try to watch it, but I can't guarantee I'll learn anything." Like it's, I, I do so need I, to do. I I have been planning a historical romance 101 series for a very long time, and yes. I, I'm like kind of not on TikTok nearly as much, but. I would be literally the first one to watch those videos because mm-hmm. I don't know. I need to. I don't them. understand the hierarchies no, at all. No. But I'm just I'm in it for the vibes, and I have Fair. like the a lady's formula for love. Is that's a great oh, series? <laughs> knocking all knocking of your books on the bookshelf just falls. But that's away. that's the the one that I want to do next. I haven't. Series. I don't know that I've actually like sat and read a historical romance in a couple of months. I, don't I think know you that would I've, really like that. That series. would be a great one. Um, I'm I think excited you would really like it, especially if you like like lady scientists. That kind yeah. of vibe. I think we, that's what drew me to it. We did an episode with Elizabeth Everett yeah. last oh, season. She's one of my favorite people. She is very <laughs> she's funny. hilarious. She's really lovely. I won, so I actually got the third book in her series. I won a random Instagram giveaway, which like I nice. never win. Um, so I got sent book three, and then book one had like the bodyguard trope. So I was like, ooh, I love mm-hmm. that. So I picked it up, and then if I like it, I'll pick up book two. Um, and she was really sweet. She's messaged me a couple times and just was kind of like, congrats on the win. I really hope you like it. Every time I post about the book, she's like really sweet and talks about it. And I always just love that. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, she's but sweet. I'm definitely still in my like cartoon cover era. Like I've been I doing. I was going to say. I love, like I love the yeah. Wild Winchesters. I just picked up. I'm going to try to do this without knocking everything over <laughs> again. But I just picked up Cold my first piece right? of Clapis. Which yeah. None of the other ones that we have at work have step backs. And I'm genuinely pissed about it because I'm obsessed yeah. with this. It's like it's not as cool one. as the ones you guys find, but I'm obsessed with this. They're still good. Um, I love oh, I, step back. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I like the Ravenel's step backs. I mm-hmm. think they're great. I think some of them are very edited, like the Devil in Spring, I think maybe. Um, her dress looks very prom. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, such is life sometimes yeah. with modern historical romance. But I mean, to they, be fair, there was old historicals style. with the like 80s makeup on the heroines with or the, the crop tops. There are some historical yeah. with like crop tops and like two pieces. Who knows what was going on? <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of I'm I'm in my I'm definitely much more picking up cartoon covers. I'm I'm mm-hmm. I've I've just found that and I I don't want to be I'm working I'm working on because especially because I've I've read the Wild Winchesters and love them and I'm really excited for Lisa Claypa. So I'm trying not to see an old school cover and be like oh old school romance and like rule it out because these have been really awesome like all the ones I've read I've really really loved um so I want to do like Lisa Claypas because I've heard you talk about her a lot so I want to do a couple that are like really tried and true that I've heard really really good things about right. just to introduce myself to the genre and then I can start kind of like 
exploring a little bit more. Tessa Dare would be a great start too. Yeah, because I've heard um, really good things about Tessa she, Dare as well. She would be one I would recommend to people like entering the genre. Um, any of her series, Spindle Cove, um, Castles Ever After. I think her most recent one um, is one a lot of people talk about recently because it's like the newest one. Mm-hmm. Um, but Spindle Cove is great. Um, yeah, she, but she has a very she has a very approachable writing style too. Oh, okay, I like that because yeah, I don't. I, I want to start getting into more like either just like like staple authors or staple books of the genre. And I know that like the – sometimes you get the ones with the cartoon covers and they're either like – a not like a different genre, but they're doing – they do the tropes a little bit differently and they kind of dial things back and they're more kind of not modern. They can be more modern feeling though. Or like sta- – mm-hmm. like not sterilized, but like – they ease back on some of the like outrageousness of the genre, but at the same time, I yeah. want the really insane. Like somebody right. gets, like when whenever you guys joke about like somebody gets kidnapped start, in the third yes, act, or I want the yeah. third act kidnaps, and I want the heroine shoots the hero in the arm. Like that's right. the shit that I want, and I'm I don't you don't see it as much. In well, pff, the Lord cartoon of covers. Rules, number one. This is Lord true. It really the cartoon covers are interesting to me because some of them are like some of my favorite books like Mm -hmm. really good intro historical romances and then some of them you get you're like this feels very like like a traditional publisher is trying to like really push it to non-historical romance readers and Mm -hmm. that's why it has the illustrated cover and like so it's hard to tell like is this gonna be like the League of Extraordinary Women or the Elizabeth Everett yeah. books or like these the where they're really fun or it's going to be something that you're like, mm-hmm. oh, that wasn't great. I didn't love that. Yeah. It, or yeah. even like, and again, this is like, I haven't read a lot of the, I haven't read a lot of ones like the old school with the, the, um, like clinch clinch covers. covers. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But even like the League of Extraordinary Women, like even those, I, and I love those books. I have a ton of fun with them, but they are, they still don't have, they still feel a little bit more like palatable almost yeah. and like commercial. They're like not they're wild. easier to sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like, it almost feels like the cartoon covers are like their own subgenre of historical yeah. romance. And then clinch covers, like it's not just a stylistic thing. Mm-hmm. There's kind of more at play in terms of like the actual writing. And again, I can maybe speak to that more once I've read more like mm-hmm. clinch cover mass market. Um, but yeah, no, I've been loving the Wild Winchesters. I have, um, what is it? How to Be a Wallflower, which I've had for oh, a little while. That's just kind of tucked away that I've been that wanting book. to read. I haven't done it yet, but I, I want to. Great and one. My hope is if I can do one historical romance a month, like I think mm-hmm. I tend to crave about one. Like I typically want to do mm-hmm. like one YA fantasy, one historical romance, one middle grade. Like that way I kind of get a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but lately I've just been committed to reviewing a bunch of other stuff, but mm-hmm. I like historicals. Yeah. Like, I've enjoyed every single one that I've read. I was wanting to do more of them. Read the, like, it, there's a difference in the writing. I think mm-hmm. because, just like from the publishing end, if you see something getting an illustrated or like a trade paper size yeah. rather than mass mm-hmm. market, it's probably because they're thinking, like, that's more expensive to produce. Mm-hmm. So it's more yep. expensive to buy. And so that's a, like, bigger audience. They're going to try to push it to more people, which is why, like, I, I think, and I can't say this, like, even having worked in publishing, all mm-hmm. I can say from that experience is, like, if it's trade paper sized, it's because they think it's going to sell more yeah. widely. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that changes in the right. So I do think it's fair to say, like, you look at the illustrated cover trade paper and they're less bonkers usually. Yeah. Unless, of course, it's like yeah. the India Holton where you're going 
full-blown like Mm -hmm. absolutely like fantasy historical romance but I think it makes Mm -hmm. sense that like they're they're gonna want to push the more like historical fiction maybe slightly less steamy feeling like like, the League of Extraordinary Women the Winchesters too would make sense Uh, because I know the the next one is getting the pink cover right Um, but that one also feels like very India Holton like it's not magical but it's yeah, and it has Fantastic. Bridgerton vibes. Like it's it's wacky, but it's not like it's not wacky in terms of like sex, and it's not wacky in terms mm-hmm. of like outrageous relationships. The characters, like, yeah, like the characters yeah. are just fun, wacky, and like the sex scenes are great. But like it's not, it doesn't it's have like really bonkers steamy. tropes. Yeah. It just has those kinds of bonkers, lovable characters, and it has mm-hmm. that Bridgerton vibe. So it's like they will sell well because Bridgerton is selling well, mm-hmm. and so they're kind of a good like if people don't read historical romance but they've read Bridgerton I like to recommend the Wild Winchesters because they have yeah. that same sort of vibe and so it makes sense that they're making the switch I don't like that my books won't match but like that's fine well, yeah. there's always well the way that I have been consoling myself is that um trade paper gets reissued in mass market mm-hmm. yeah so like it will get it'll, it'll be like get a year or six months or whatever yeah. and it'll get a mass market release mm-hmm. yeah there's also the yeah. potential, which, like, this is not a thing that has been talked about to my knowledge, but there's always the potential for mass markets to get reissued in trade paper if they're, like, doing really well. That's true. Yeah, like the Sarah McLean. Um, we don't need to talk about that cover. N- the, prom, the prom one? <laughs> Nine rules. <laughs> that yeah, that pissed one. me off so much. Yeah, but that, so that, it looks Megan, like a YA book. The original Nine Rules to Break When Romancing a Rake, which is also, I think, you can, uh, start with Sarah McLean there and I think like her early books are not some of my favorites but Sarah McLean is one mm-hmm. that I recommend reading in order but Nine Rules is a great book um but the the first one's like a step back uh it's like a woman in a dress and then the step back is, is she a in like a white she's yeah. in like yeah, a white dress when they up. reissued it it is like a strapless yeah it's a it's prom, prom dress it is a prom dress that does and not say historical romance to me I don't know who their target audience besides YA people they were trying no, to get they, with that. They have it in the Bridgerton font. Like the well, actual yeah, that, title. The sans serif sure. is yeah. a flag upon. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not just Bridgerton, but it's one of those things where it's yeah. like it looks – it doesn't look like a Bridgerton cover in terms of what she's wearing. Yeah. But that but font the, the is font. the same. So people are going to see it and think Bridgerton. Which pisses me off on multiple levels. Like Megan Frampton, they've like changed her, and like Lorraine Heath, they've changed their signature like author fonts. So like Lorraine Heath has had the same author font, same thing as Megan Frampton for years, and it's iconic. And then now there, it's a sans serif. And then they mix fonts. Like there's, I can speak on fonts and Hannah covers. Hannah has and, a lot of feelings about fonts. Yeah. Because some of the choices they're making recently, oh, just honestly, I love from that. an artistic level, not even like a genre level, but just a does this look good level. Mm-hmm. Um, and spoiler, no, <laughs> no, they don't. Well, I've been, um, it's been kind of because I've been my my creative well hasn't been as full as it used to be. So I do a lot of like, um, I analyze like OG versus redesigned book covers and which one I like better, mm-hmm. or US versus UK covers and which one I like better. Because typically, I can rant about a cover for a couple of minutes like I can yeah. I can make that content pretty consistently and it's fun and it's interesting to analyze and it's very subjective mm-hmm. but I too have a lot of feelings about covers and cover yeah. designs and well, even even the UK versions of bringing down the duke I hate that font so much it's just not readable it's like spindly I don't it, look it up have the same strikes thing. it strikes such an anger in me and 
I can't explain it's it. It's just besides. a slightly curlier font. But it's okay. just not readable. Like, it, it's ugly. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. God, that is ugly. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, there are, I'm seeing several different covers of this book, and they're all not good. No. But the swirly one, you're right. It's not readable. Mm-mm. And I took, like, in grad school, we had, like, a whole cover design and, like, how, like, the cover should be visible in, like, a um, – very tiny space because a lot of like trade like catalogs and stuff like Mm -hmm. have just very like thumbnail versions and so even just that in itself I'm just like why would you choose that font well and I always I always find that kind of stuff fascinating where like the cover itself is almost exactly the same Mm -hmm. so what market statistics or market feedback made you think that changing just the font in this way would be beneficial like, yeah, I always and, find that interesting, and I don't know how to get that information, but, like, I'm, I'm yeah. always intrigued by stuff like that. Like, what factor made you think that that small change was going to make it sp- sell better yeah. in your region? I don't know the mm-hmm. answer with the fonts. I do always like <laughs> looking at British um, or UK versions of romance novels specifically, though, mainly because the UK yeah. doesn't really – well, the romance market isn't huge over there anyway, but particularly historical romance, they don't mm-hmm. – they don't read it almost at all. I think so because it's mostly Americans that are writing historical romance. So like, yeah, it's this like Georgette Hare pseudo fantasy England. Kate Bateman, I think she's British, so that is an interesting. She no, lives it's not in America. All but American women, no, but, like, but she's one of the only ones that I like. It's really rare a for a Australian. Mm-hmm. Well, it feels like it's like Amer- like North Americans like romanticizing it is, right, yeah. England and like Britain. Whereas people who mm-hmm. live in Britain are like, right, no, <laughs> yeah. why? Yeah. So, you know, it's always a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was just going to bring it back to say that this is an interesting discussion for me just because there's a lot of the illustrated cover versus clone mm-hmm. cover debate. And I think it's just, they're just, they're a gateway. Exactly. I think like, an illustrated I cover book is a gateway historical romance. Yeah, because both yeah. Carolyn and I got in with Bringing Down the Duke. And I can't say, like, I mean, now I've grown to love the clinch and the stepbacks and all of that. But I truly I can't say that I hate the illustrated because they got me in. And they're very easy, like you said, to kind of jump around in. Like, I went um, from Bringing Down the Duke to the Mr. Malcolm's List, which that one doesn't have any sex in it. And I thought that if it had illustrated cover, it had sex. So I was very confused when I read mm. that. Um, but then I went to Elizabeth Everett. She released in 2021 with a debut. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like around when I was discovering like the genre really. Um, cause I did my bookstagram in 2020 at the end of it. Um, and then, you know, went to Joanna Lowell with the Duke Undone. Um, Minerva Spencer has a illustrated series. Um, it's like outrageous is the one that I really like. That's book two. Um, book one is like notorious or something yeah I think, um yeah. and then three something like that and i mean those covers are ugly as i don't know what kensington was doing like a stock photo like do not like but i was able to signal in my brain uh illustrated historical i know what you are mm. um and so i do think and again the amanda collins from forever mm-hmm. um those like the ladies mystery guide. yep yeah ladies guide to mischief and mm-hmm. mayhem mm-hmm. murder and whatever yeah Mi- yeah mischief and mayhem my mom bought me Bringing Down the Duke, and then she also bought me the first Man of Collins in that series. So she was also able to signify, like, what that meant. Um, and so while I don't agree with, like, the Bridgerton style of, like, chopping off heads and stuff, and I just don't think that was the move 
but I do think the illustrated covers were a very smart choice. Um, and well, I, just I'm not angry. Back to, like Megan's point mm-hmm. about like it almost feels like a different genre. I don't genre, know. Yeah. I I love a bonkers historical, as we know. Mm-hmm. It was the genesis of this podcast. Was us being like, <laughs> let's talk about the most absurd historical romances we've read. <laughs> I love it. The more bonkers, the better. Yeah. I yeah. don't know that I would have if it was the if like first thing you ever read. I'm trying to think of like something absolutely wild. The Windflower, the for Windflower. example, like the five hundred. Which I tried page. to buy, by the way, because you were ranting about it. I purchased a copy, and it got delivered to the no. front. No, horrible luck. I know my. This is literally the only times ever that I've lost book mail, but they all tend to be. They've all been brought up today. But that is terrible. my package was stolen, and then I tried to get a replacement, and they're like, "No, it's like out of stock now." That is unfortunate. It's a weird book. I don't think if that had been my first historical romance, I would have been like, wow, this is great. The genre for me. Let's read yeah. more. I think I would have been very confused in the same way that if I had started with like Prisoner of My Desire by Joanna Lucy. Oh my God. I don't think I would have read more. But like you no. start with like E.B. Dunmore or even mm-hmm. India Holton if you're into fantasy um, or Elizabeth mm-hmm. Ever or like one of those. And those are like they're still historical romances. They're still really good. They just fall more on the like closer to reality side of the spectrum, it would, which I think is more palatable be, for a contemporary romance yeah. or other kind of reader. It would be really hard to really discover the genre on your own because like um, before I was online, like I read Bringing Down the Duke, but it was really when I had a bookstagram and was seeing stepbacks and was seeing like authors and interacting with them and interacting with everyone else's posts that I really understood the genre and like what I should be reading and checking out. Um, because I think if you're just like alone in it, it would be a very hard thing because you couldn't discuss it with anyone. I mean, that's another part why I created my account. I wanted to just talk about the books because um, my Goodreads had like 30 friends and no one was talking about those ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I was like the only one reading Evie Dunmore. Um, and so I think like if I didn't have it, like I just don't know what, how I would have discovered um even Lisa Klapis because I just I don't know how um I mean you go to Barnes Noble and there are so many and they all look the same and you're like how would you know um I think one of the first ones I just went to the thrift store and bought um like 10 for 50 cents and one of them was um When He Was Wicked by Julia Quinn it's one of the Bridgerton um and I mean that one was one of my first introductions to the genre and he comes back with malaria and he's the his cousin married the heroine and then the cousin dies and Michael was always in love with her so then he goes off gets malaria comes back and then like he's obviously sexually gifted and she hasn't like had the best sex of her life yet Classic. and then he teaches her how to like go for a ride and it's a whole thing and it was a very good intro for me it wasn't i didn't realize it was in like a series cuz i didn't know how that worked yet um but i think maybe even without bringing down the duke i would have been like what in the world am i reading cuz that was a great intro i think that's kind of where i'm at because I think as as much as it's it's getting better and being part of Bookstagram in particular, book talk a little mm-hmm. bit, but Bookstagram, I'm starting to see more people who are like loving and appreciating clinch covers and classic historical romances mm-hmm. because before that, I don't think I'm alone in kind of having that assumption or being raised on that assumption no, that like same. historical romance are like just trashy, like, like trashy, trashy romance, yeah, right? like yeah. just kind of like pulpy, mindless romances, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so you read like a cartoon cover and you're like. Ooh, I I like this. Or and I've I'm of the opinion. I think part of the reason I I get intimidated by clinch covers is because I'm like they're gonna be so smutty and like I don't mm-hmm. think they're any like 
way more smutty than a than a cartoon cover but I see a cartoon cover I yeah because I see a cartoon cover and I'm like oh it'll probably have about two like two sex scenes maybe three Mm -hmm. and they won't be outrageous and that's like right in my sweet spot and I see Mm -hmm. a clinch cover and I'm like oh my god it's gonna be all sex and that's not true but like Mm -hmm. you know like it the cartoon covers kind of ease you into that no I did the same thing it took reading Tessa Dare Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I haven't read a ton of Tessa Dare, but I read one and I was like, oh, it's just a historical rom-com. Yeah, yeah. it's just got a different style cover. But like right. doing – like especially the Wild Winchesters kind of showed me. I was like, okay, no, this is like exactly the same vibe, just a little bit mm-hmm. wackier. And yeah. that was kind of what prompted me to be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to get off my ass. I'm going to buy a Lisa Claypas book. I also just like reading mass markets. There's something I really love fun about holding it and then being like, I am mm. going to crack the spine. I am going mm. to – like this so book is going to look so shitty by the time I'm done with yeah. it because I'm going to get so into it. And I can't – like I have this – I feel like I can't do that with my other books. Yeah. And so like, that's such a treat. But yeah, I just feel like the cartoon covers ease you into it to some extent. And then you start being like, oh, this clinch cover – has a premise that sounds really interesting and has all these tropes that I like that I've read in these mm-hmm. other historicals and then you can kind of dive in. Um, mm-hmm. But I still love, I own, I mean, 90% of the historical romances I own are cartoon covers because mm-hmm. they, you mm-hmm. hear, like you just hear about them more. And so when you walk into a bookstore and you see all of these mm-hmm. mass market clinch covers, it's hard to sift through and figure out which one, which one might be the best place to start. Whereas a lot of the cartoon covers, they've only published two, or, like the authors only published two or three. Yeah. So it's kind of easier because you have less choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've been – I found – actually, I'm sure I have screenshots from from both of your guys' pages of like just a premise of something or you know, like a weird – like or something really wacky about one of the books and I screenshot it and I'm like, I'm going to circle back to that because that yeah. sounds wild mm-hmm. and really, really fun. And then they're cheaper. So it's like it's, – yeah. it's not as stressful of an investment because yeah. like this cost me $12. If I don't love it, it's not like it was a $23 paperback. Mm-hmm. Or if you go to, like, half-price books or something, like, it yep. can be even yeah. cheaper. And you're way more likely mm-hmm. to find, like, mass market romance sections in thrift stores. Massive. I spend <laughs> god-awful amounts of money in those. Yeah. But on so many books. Like That's the thing is you can you get, get so, so many. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And my my trick for when I entered the genre and when I did go to the thrift store was look for the ones with the most cracked spines because the most people read them and probably love them. That's um, true. So like all the ones, like my Bridgerton one, like the spine is like falling apart. And that's mm-hmm. the only reason I got it. Like I didn't know what a step back was. It has one. It was one of the only original ones I ever had um, before this whole thing and my addiction got to a real bad level. Um, we went on a deep tangent, which is valid and happens all the time. Hours. <laughs> However, I would like to, before we wrap up, bring up number one there's one note on my list that i just wanted to mention really quickly and it is tag yourself i'm the resident lunatic we don't have to discuss the resident lunatic i just think that is the funniest bit i adored that scene like so much it was like it's a gothic castle obviously who is i think i i definitely can you give me like roughly a page number for where Uh, that was just so i can try to find it search it because my there's no rhyme or reason to my tag. Oh no, I found it. Oh, page two twelve. Perfect. I love the resident lunatic. It was just a really small like moment where she was like, everything did not go fine. They were getting chased through the halls by this mad woman in the attic, and then the mad woman is an actress that was hired. Relatable. We also have a mysterious Scarface man lurking in the cellar. The famous medium. <laughs> I was going to say, if I had to tag myself, I think I'd be Mrs. Zhu who comes in quarterly to refresh our ghosts. Like, I think that's the vibe I want. 
like it, it, it like it reminds me of pleasance like to get to like to come in yell at the ghosts and then leave and like that's that feels like the vibe i want i don't know that i could be the resident lunatic all the time and like the scar the mysterious scar-faced man who lurks in the cellar like i think i'd get cold but mm, to be a medium yeah. who comes in summons the ghosts and then goes home for a couple of it like that feels like an appropriate vibe for me if i had to tag myself as one of the three that's so fair yeah um, Which I think Hannah leaves you as the Scarface man if you're down with that. I'll, I'll embrace it. I'll <laughs> if we each get that, one, that's where we're at. I'll make sure there's a lot of wine in the cellar and I'll have a yeah. real good time. Just make sure you don't mm-hmm. get bricked up. That is true. It's important. Very true. Um, Look at I, us, I, literary I, references. I have more notes that okay. I have to touch on before we wrap up. Number two, <laughs> have either of you watched Bluey? No. Okay. No, but I hosted a kids event for it, so I know a tiny bit. Bluey, I I have many nibblings, and all of the nibblings and my brothers and sisters-in-law love Bluey. Bluey is a hilarious children's show. It's Australian. It's a family of dogs, and the the two little kids are always playing make-believe with their parents, and so every episode is them, like, playing a game with their parents and, like, learning lessons. It's adorable, also hilarious, even for adults. In fact, maybe more so for adults. That's what I've heard. Is it that, is like, it's so really funny. good for parents. Yeah. It's so good. Um, however, there is an episode where they want their parents to do romance. And so they like set up a little restaurant and make their parents go on a date, um, like a first date, and they like serve them. And it's actually it's very sweet and romantic. They make this like horrible dish um, where they just like combine all this random food and gave it to the mom. And she really didn't want to eat it because it's horrific. And they were going to make the kids really sad. So the dad ate the whole thing. <gasps> and the obviously that's the true romance that he like ate this for her. Mm-hmm. And then they like go outside and he barfs it all up. It's incredible. But the whole <laughs> bit throughout this episode is that they're trying to like get them to smoochy kiss. Like they went, the, mm-hmm. are you doing romance? And there's a bit where they're like, oh, are you going to be romantic? And all I could think every time somebody in this book was like, ooh, they're being romantic. Or we have to be romantic. It was just me in my head going, are you doing romance? <laughs> <laughs> because that was the energy that they brought to it. So that's all. Everybody watch Bluey. Um, that was an influenced. I'm gonna do it. Uh, well, I am an influencer. You are. Um, also, I think we have to talk about the fact that there was only one bed, and they fought over it, and ended up sharing the sofa. Yes, I I specifically tab that spot because it was like only India Holton could on two separate occasions yep. do the yep. there's only one bed trope and subvert my expectation because yep. it's mm-hmm. there's there's two beds but we're gonna push them together and make one yeah. bed and then we and go then we're into gonna this one break it apart oh, and God. then we go into this one and it's there's only one bed and I'm like okay mm-hmm. yes like we're actually getting the trope this time because we subverted <laughs> it last time and then they're bicker and then they're both smushed onto the couch and I'm like no fucking way that's how this happened. Like, I – oh, it was so good. Ooh, and, and I, I seriously her- made a note of, like, only India Holton could subvert this trope twice and get me twice with this. Well, and she doesn't all, even just subvert tropes. Like, just the way she writes. Like, I marked it down. One line is that she saw a spark, but it wasn't her life flashing before her eyes. It was a spring in the couch, like, catching fire or whatever. <laughs> um, there are so many moments in the book where she'll, like, start a phrase that you know, mm-hmm. and then your brain automatically goes to fill it out because if you see a spark and she's, like, going to die because Snodgrass has her in the, you know, up in the air and whatever, you all obviously think it's going to be about her life, flash- her life flashing before her eyes, but then it's because the couch is, like, on fire or whatever was happening. Um, her writing is just so fascinating and I've said it before like if I was ever to write a romance I would need to read for like several more years 
because there's just so much more to learn. But hers would be one that I would have to just like do a deep dive mm-hmm. on because her writing is so good, just how she crafts everything. Um, she has like a, a mastery yeah. of language that's like mm-hmm. mind blowing. It's absurd. And I'm just so happy that these bo- books exist because they do so much in like 300 pages. Right. Well, even uh, that sentence, we were talking about it earlier, but it's right at the beginning. And Alice is like, she too had to admit that she was dull. All she wanted to do right now was go home and spend some quality time with a good dictionary. And mm-hmm. when you're reading it and it's like, you're thinking curled up with a good book, but even when you're yeah. saying it out loud, you're like quality time with a good dictionary. Like the way it's yeah. written is very much yeah. like, like she's just really good with words. And I'd seen other people like even just posting on their story. Like I see it, it's a common thing in reviews for these books is just like the, like her mastery of language is mm-hmm. mind blowing. And it really is. And these books are like, I agree. Like, I think, I don't know that I, this is something I could aspire to just cause I feel like I'm not super witty when yeah. I write. Yeah. But I do think that like, from just a craft perspective, mm-hmm. these books are fascinating because they're so mm-hmm. well constructed and every word feels so intentional and it feels mm-hmm. like she specifically picked it out of a hundred words she could have chosen. Mm-hmm. She specifically picked this one for a particular reason to make you feel some type of way. Whereas you read other books and you don't notice the word choice, but mm-hmm. this, everything feels intentional. Yeah. Sorry. I have a lot of thoughts about that. No, I, I too, like she's, it's just, I mean, we've talked about a little bit with the euphemisms too, but just the ones that she thinks up and how she like works them seamlessly into the conversations and, you know, structures the characters' reactions to them. It's just, I mean, they make for fantastic audiobooks too. Um, the narrator is great, Elizabeth Nolden, I think. Um, and this one, particularly, just her delivery of some of the lines between Alex and Bigsby um, was just so fun. And yeah, I just am impressed every time I read them, just mm-hmm. how good they are. One well, well, on top of like- that, like the character work, yeah, mm-hmm. which is so subtle, I think. Like, especially, mm-hmm. it's something that I tend to notice on rereads. Obviously, you yeah. notice more on rereads be- because that's how rereading works. But, like, I mean, it, it's true in the first one as well, but really, especially in the later two, we talked about, like, kind of pulling away at their layers and seeing the trauma behind it in the, like, more quiet moments and, like, mm-hmm. learning about why they are the way they they are. I don't, like, it's so subtle and well done, but, like, you know who these characters are. Yeah. And then you are still surprised by things about them, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is like, yeah. she's not the only writer to write good characters. No. But her characters, like, have a very specific feel. And also, in no. the way that, like, each of the books feels very different. I think Hannah yeah. and I have talked about this before, but, like, each of the books really, like, obviously her narrative style is the same and her sense mm. of humor is the same, but Which each of the so books impressive. still feels very distinct. And I think it's, it's because. True. They're so character driven and she's so good Mm -hmm. at developing these very unique characters that like the characters themselves make the books feel different and influence the style a little bit and influence the overall feeling of the book. Like Alice Mm -hmm. and Daniel's book, this one feels much more somber, not like Mm -hmm. it's still funny and outrageous, Mm -hmm. but it just feels a little bit more serious than especially than like Wisteria Society. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think actually this is kind of related um my only like quote criticism of this book specifically is that I didn't get quite as invested in the stakes and the only reason for that is because Alice and Bixby feel so competent 
that I had such trust in them from the very beginning that nothing could possibly, like, I was so confident that they would achieve their mission that, like, Mm -hmm. I almost couldn't, like, what's it, Snodgrass is like, I'm going to blow up, whatever. And I'm like, no, you're not. Snodgrass. I was like, this isn't going to go anywhere. Right? I'm like, no, you're not. And that's he was so obvious yeah I think that's but like my even when they're they're snooping around and they're trying to find who's trying to assassinate the queen and I'm like yeah like do that but at the same time I didn't feel kind of the sense of urgency that I thought I maybe should have been feeling purely because Mm -hmm. I was like no matter how this plays out I have complete faith that these characters are going to solve this and that being said I think it kind of just on the one hand, it's it's a slight criticism, but really it just kind of also goes to show how, yeah, like how yeah. well-developed these characters are that like I had complete trust in them that I was like, they're mm-hmm. so good at what they do. There's no, like I'm, I have complete faith that they will save the world and like I I'm will, not worried. I will say I was so intrigued about how they would end up together. Um, like that's where my, like that's where I was invested was seeing how they would each get out of Aunt's grip and how they would you know come together at the end like again like I wasn't because you knew Snodgrass just how he was like he was probably going to be a villain Mm -hmm. I will say the whole um trying to murder Cecilia thing that surprised me I did not track um the one person trying to do all the things to her and then she came with the baby and then however that worked I don't Mm -hmm. really know um but yeah I was mainly thinking just like how are they going to get together at the end and like how is that gonna function and happen and how are they gonna escape basically and they really did have to escape I was gonna say I think my sense of urgency that's why like to me the climax is not snodgrass exactly that was was kind of a secondary plot to me just for fun the the climax was them fighting off aunt at the Mm -hmm. end um Mm -hmm. Because my sense yeah. that that was where my sense of urgency kicked yeah. in was like when they're when they're hurt. sat down separately, yeah, and like basically threatened subliminally, yeah. like, subtly, and just like yeah. oh, because you're a good agent and you're gonna move on and do exactly yeah. what we tell you to do, right? Like that was where my heart rate started mm-hmm. picking up. That's a scary that's, scene, by the way, with the therapist. Yeah. That was tense. that was yeah, that, that was, was a scary scene. And then taking the books, and it was just. I think that's why I felt so much in that last 25%, Mm. especially of just, like, why it hit so hard when they were able to be together and how they each chose to overcome that and, like, how differently they both went about it. Um, it, I think that's a great point because I was wondering, like, why – like, it was a really slow build of me just, like, getting absolutely devastated (laughs) by this book. I don't know because, like, the beginning was fun and, like – you know, whatever. And then it just slowly rips away at your heart. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think because when I'm in like the middle bit of the book, I just remember thinking to myself, I'm picking this up because I'm I'm invested in Alice and Bixby and I want to see these scenes of, of them and the romance and whatever, but I'm not super invested in the plot. Mm-hmm. But then the further mm-hmm. we get and the more we're learning about them and you have this like aunt as a threat you know it the entire time but it really sneaks up on you yeah and then exactly. it's like snodgrass is gone and you have this moment of like oh we're done and then you have that interrogation scene and it's like yeah. boom okay shit like this is the threat this right. whole yeah. time this has been the threat exactly. and it hits because lady armitage in the last two books she was over the top and comical mm-hmm. and you know obviously she was trying to kill him but like but she really, was such, yeah. She was such a hilarious character in itself. Like she wasn't scary. She wasn't like a threat to my well being. But Aunt was so just 
really because I mean I think you can like see parallels and stuff and like other pieces of media that you've seen and oh yeah you know that kind of feeling um well and it's like the big bad and you can translate you it it can be yeah metaphorical for society itself Mm -hmm. in terms of like forcing Mm -hmm. them into well Mm -hmm. the the whole trilogy has been about these women breaking free of society's restrictions and you have these human representations of the aunts um and even like as the books go on um darlington becomes more and more comical and more and more sympathetic because you're kind of pitting her against these worse aunts Um, but i like how in the epilogue uh cecilia says something about how she still is kind of unpacking her childhood as well even though like Mm -hmm. you like darlington and she becomes more and more endearing as the books go on you do it's good to have that reminder of like mm-hmm. she was not a perfect guardian either. But then you've got aunt as an organization and it kind of culminates all of that. Like this is the oppressive thing mm-hmm. that's not only attacking Alice and Bixby, but it's trying to eliminate witches. It's trying to eliminate pirates. Like it is the big bad. Mm-hmm. And it's true that like once you get to that bit and you realize all the other stuff was kind of misleading you or kind of trying to distract you from the real problem – and then mm-hmm. I didn't tab from literally they sit down with aunt and I barely tab until the epilogue because by that point I was just reading. Mm-hmm. Like I just yeah. couldn't put it down because that was – it's. I didn't even really think of that until you said it. But that is when the urgency mm-hmm. kicked in for me too. I wasn't analyzing. I wasn't taking notes. I wasn't tabbing. I was just mm-hmm. in it because mm-hmm. I needed to know how they were going to find their way back to each other. Well, in each mm-hmm. of the books I think talking about like the aunts as – the manifestation of the thing that is holding them back. Each of the books, I think, has this, like, the plot that you think is the plot. Yeah. And you get through it, and the, what's his name that loves the Brontes? I can't remember. I don't know his name either. Morbath. Like, his thing, like, explodes in the sky, and Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, I I guess we're done with the plot. Why is there so much book left? And the rest Mm -hmm. of the book is Ned and Cecilia hooking up and then Cecilia going back to her life and trying to get into the Wisteria Society and mm-hmm. Darlington being the one that won't let her in, which ultimately is a good thing and is done mm-hmm. out of love. But, like, the, yeah. the real climax of that book is at You're the so tail right. end and Cecilia mm-hmm. choosing to not join the Wisteria Society and instead to leave and do her thing. And then you have Alex mm-hmm. and Lottie who have their whole plot with the amulet and armitage and everything but the real climax of that book is with plim judith the aunt yeah well and the yeah. witch hunter also which that, that was hilarious, hilarious. which is oh hilarious my God, that scene. right but so mm. like ultimate it's lottie choosing to again to leave that life yeah and so i think it's just on a much larger scale the like societal aunt or like the secret service rather than like choosing to step away from an individual yeah Mm -hmm. well it's also it's each book like in in the first one it's like darlington but it's also like the wisteria society as a whole that you're realizing is like the problem for cecilia specifically and darlington yeah and like so darlington gives cecilia the push that she needs Mm -hmm. but then with the witches Alex kind of needs to be there. Like, Charlotte chooses to leave, but then Alex and Charlotte, like, it's the two of them together where Alex is like, I'm kidnapping her. Mm-hmm. Like, because this is the only socially acceptable way for her to yeah. get out without completely severing ties to her family. Yeah. I'm taking her. Right. And it's very yeah. much her choice, but it's like having that sort of help. And then in mm-hmm. this one, because the thread is bigger, 
you just need a little bit more help. So you have Mm -hmm. Ned and Cecilia and Alex and Charlotte just helping them get out because Mm -hmm. escaping from one ant versus an organization of ants versus this whole secret network of ants, you just need, and each book, you have more support and you have more help. And I just love, Mm -hmm. because these books, you don't feel like they spend a ton of time building this community and these relationships between the three characters, except for the three men. But then you get to the epilogue and you're like, no, these women are but like, because you have a couple of scenes in each book, but you get to that epilogue and you're like, I completely, this makes sense. They're sitting there and they're like a coven together. And you're like, yeah. yes, this feels flying off perfectly of right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which Such brings a, us to the, to the epilogue finally that we Yay, we made it. <laughs> and look at us. We, in a, you know, sequential sequence of events. We did it. Uh, <laughs> um, which brings epilogue me to. Hand. In a tight two and a half hours. <laughs> My actual favorite line, I think, of the series, which is in the epilogue when it's three wicked women who had run away from who they were supposed to be and found themselves, found each other, three wild women holding hands, sharing laughter as they dance together in the midnight sky beneath the yellow moon, Mm -hmm. which just like Mm. sums up the whole point of all of the books. That's the thing is this epilogue isn't just an ending to this book. It's an ending to the series, and it gives yeah. you an ending for each Twilight. of the characters. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Exactly. But it's like, Twilight. it really does hit because everybody's getting a resolution, and you're having that moment mm-hmm. of tying up. These women had these parallel journeys, and I genuinely teared up as you were reading that. I was like, yeah. oh, my God, I just want to fly in the moonlight mm-hmm. with, like, my coven of witches and all of us and being together supporting I fully each other did cry when they like started flying oh yeah i was like yeah. oh and, time to weep and i think it's only like two months in the future um yeah the epilogues uh, that always like kill me it's like something 16 months okay so i was gonna, I was gonna say, say they've had a baby, they have a baby. <laughs> like, there are yeah. se- several kids have happened <laughs> there was another book that i just read that was two week or months and who knows what that one was um but it's normally the epilogues that really destroy me that are, like, 30 years in the future or, like, very far down the line. Um, but this one was rare in the fact that, like, it wasn't one of those that has to have, like, entire lives spanning. Um, it was just 16 months. But I, it, like, alludes months. to... Exactly. The it, future and everything. Mm. And like, you know that this is now yeah. how it is and big this is how it will be yeah and like their baby like mimicking him like the little stuff and he was like stop i know stop it i i'm trash (laughs) i this is very heterosexual of me i am very trash for men with their babies um me too there is so, so like the bit where Alex like sees Bixby with the baby mm-hmm. and then immediately goes to just like moon over his own children. Yes, and I, Ned is like, "Who would have thought he'd be I, such a sap?" Yeah. And Daniel's like, "He's always, he's yeah, always, of course, what are you he is. he's about? always been a sap." What do you mean? This is not new information. Yeah, and then you, and then you still got like the romance between Al or Bixby and Alice, and how she he can see she's getting overstimulated, and then he's just like, "Let's go, it's time." Mm-hmm. And it's just so sweet. Ugh. It is like um, I I feel like I don't even have that much to say just because genuinely yeah. I feel like it's a perfect ending. It is like a it perfect is. ending. One also there's the other like giant paragraph that I highlighted is um a passage about how Alice and Daniel's like inner children essentially like they still are they have ghosts is the phrases that yes. she used. Um. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a bit. 
but a young Daniel who had learned so thoroughly not to flinch that even now he never noticed when he accidentally burned a I'm finger and was right confused yes. when Alice cared about it. Yep. But then going on to say like that they they know how to help each other uh, mm-hmm. and every day the ghosts grew a little fainter, which is okay. I think the perfect way of like we're not super far in the future. They're not over it. But like mm-hmm. you can see that it, it's it's on the up and up like they're getting better and everything is OK, mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. even though it's It'll not be- completely fixed. Yeah, it won't, it might not ever be fixed, but the fact that they're going to be there to help each other through that and make that weight a little bit lighter every single day for the rest of their lives, like that, that hits so hard because it's just the promise of recovery. Right. And the promise of community and all of that. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they're all together, um, you know, like a lot of, like a lot of, like even Elizabeth Everett series, like there's always one couple that's kind of away um so like in book two like the first couple has to go away and then you have book two and then in book three um book two's couple is gone and then you kind of have like book one's couple back um in this one they're all you know like book one and book two you have book one's couple and then this one you have everyone and then their epilogue is all together and i just love how they stay and you can tell that they're friends and then they're going to be in each other's lives forever because obviously some you know uh there's like a joanna shoop series where the one friend has to go to England because she marries a Duke and the rest are in like New York. Um, and obviously they're still friends, but like life and you get separated and you have to keep contact in different ways. But this one is just such the fantasy of just being able to stay with your best friends and your family all like at all times. In particular, because um, you have flying houses and exactly, um, it and makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can yeah. just like, oh, you're gonna yeah. go burglarize that place on Tuesday. Uh, good luck with that. As, as they were giving the security tips, I thought that was yeah fabulous. Oh, also, um, Evie's uh proclivity for cleaning, like just mm-hmm. the influence that they all clearly have corrupted on each child. other's children because they clearly spend so yeah. much time together that she's like, oh, I mm-hmm. can clean it up, and Ned is like, who did this? <laughs> who did this to my child who corrupted my child <sighs> and like and again like i will never be able to write like this but if there was a devil standing in front of me and it wasn't like a erotic devil he didn't want to like have sex with me like all the time and if he just wanted to like give me a wish to sell my soul it would be to be able to write like india holden it's just so fascinating when you just obviously like try to reread and really pick apart what's happening and how she structures it's like everything. every sentence <laughs> yeah there's something to say everyone like you could have the entire book that's the thing mm-hmm. is i feel like if i if i wanted to and if i had unlimited tabs there yeah. would be tabs per page mm-hmm. like the tab to page ratio would be absurd the book would weigh four extra pounds because of all the tabbing mm-hmm. and like, mm-hmm. like <laughs> i feel like it's not that funny <laughs> sorry but like no it's, it's just that like i will highlight yeah. on all yeah. over a page and then I have to be like do I need to like is this a tab that I need like is it a thing I need mm-hmm. to refer back to or is the oh. highlight enough and I'll save it mm-hmm. and tab something else see because I only tab this is why I have such a hard time when we're talking I can't find anything because there's no rhyme or reason to my tab so I just have to flip yeah. through all 95 tabs and figure out it's which one out is here. the one I want to reference yeah. um but yeah there's just something so magical about these books I'm like Literally. Yeah, I, I don't know that I've ever read anything that's like captured that same type mm-hmm. of magic, but I do feel like these books have opened me up to a lot of other books that have just given me different things, whether it's historical romance mm-hmm. as a genre or that lady sci- scientist studies magical things or like XYZ mm-hmm. books that 
I was like, no, that's outside of my comfort zone. I'm not going to touch it. I was like, well, I didn't expect to really even like this book. And these are my, some of my favorite three books that I've read in the last three years, if not my favorite three books that I've read in the last three years. And that I kept getting surprised how much I loved the next book. Like I love, I loved book one, but I just didn't expect to love book two the way I loved it. Mm -hmm. And then the way, because I loved book two so much, I didn't expect to love book three the way I loved it. And I still think book two is my favorite, you know, like if I had to choose. Um, But like, I was still just so surprised. Mm -hmm. Why was I surprised? I couldn't rank, like, I I think Mm -hmm. League of Gentlewomen, which is is my favorite of the three. Mm -hmm. But I could not choose which, whether it was Steria Society or Secret Service, like I couldn't choose between those two, which one I liked better. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. I could I could pick. And I think that, like, Wisteria Society has a special place in my heart because it introduced me to this world. Mm-hmm. Secret Service mm-hmm. has a special place in my heart because it wrapped everything up so incredibly beautifully. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like they each did something different. And so they all they hold, do. like, a different piece. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, I just – I don't know. I feel like they're just so spectacular. Mm-hmm. I do – I'm sorry. And I don't know that we're winding down, but I feel like we might be sort of winding down. And yeah. before we do, I need to say that this scene – this is very off topic. But um, I'm like – I feel like we're – But that's on brand. Amazing. So I'm like, I feel like we're in the epilogue now and I don't want to yeah. like – like I, I need to pull us all the way out of that and go back to the middle of the book. Um, oh. But the scene where – what's her name is trying to assassinate Cecilia. And then all the mm-hmm. pirates are in there. And oh, in like, which Cecilia pulls up holding a baby in one hand and a gun in the other. Which yes, is bad. Bit. Which is if I if I could have that tattooed on my person, I would like that particular <laughs> image of like baby gun would be. Cecilia like, actually is who I aspire to be in that moment, right? In my um, fantasy world. But the no, it's just when the, when the pirates are all there and they're like, Charlotte, dear, as a witch, we need to hunt you for sport now. How much <laughs> yeah. free time would you like? And the fact that she's considering it, and Alex like chucks her over his shoulder <laughs> pulls out a sword and disappears into the wall mm-hmm. is like the funniest image in my like I just yeah. that scene and then the fact that then they turned the spies and they're like how much mm-hmm. and then Bixby goes we'll take 10 minutes and they bolt <laughs> like it's but Ooh. just the fact that Charlotte is considering it Alex has to physically <laughs> lift her pull a sword and run away I was like well, and then also that- in the epilogue there's a mention of like Charlotte looks more piratical than anyone else like yeah. in her spike, I love her evolution. There is something about that that I genuinely think I need to reread these books and sit with that in particular because, like, mm-hmm. Cecilia was a pirate and she's escaped that, so she's not quite a pirate anymore. She's something else, mm-hmm. and she's this evolution of the pirate princess, and that's why people fear her because she's not a pirate. Charlotte yeah. was a witch who has somehow become peak pirate. Yeah, and Alice is. I don't even I don't know what Alice is like I feel like yeah. she I don't even know that she knows what she is like she's Alice just is she's just Alice mm-hmm. and I Alice love Barbie. I, I think there's something there's something about Charlotte's journey because I've only read League and Secret Service once each and there's mm-hmm. something I need to sit down and read the series all like read the trilogy all in one go yeah but there's something about Charlotte's journey and that for whatever reason that line stuck to me that right at the end they're like she was the most piratical of all of them yeah and I'm like Something about that hits me in a way that I can't quite put into words and I need to like sit with it longer and figure out because, why it hits me the way it does. Because she was so, you know, like just repressed her book. Almost? Yeah, repressed yeah. and her repression. And then how she got out of that, just obviously like the entire span of the second book. Um, and her roles in this one and how she like manages Alex 
<laughs> and how she does all that is just so fascinating. And then, you know, picking up on the fact that she's the most piratical. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I just love her. Well, I think so she much. and Charlotte had very different, like, hers was freedom is what she yeah. was really seeking throughout her book and achieved it versus Alice mm-hmm. well, also was looking for freedom, but it was more like she wanted family. She yeah. she wanted what she ended up getting, which and they talk about how she has always been like hugging books and dreaming of having a family. Yeah. Is like that's the thing that she was reaching for. And so hers mm. has a like no less poignant but quieter result, I think. Of yeah. like just yeah. her and Daniel like living their life and having their little organization where they go and help people. But like Charlotte was seeking some kind of grander on the surface anyway freedom versus alice is looking for just like family and security yeah yeah because she also had all that power um charlotte with the with managing her power and like Mm. having so much of it and then finally being able to either sometimes let it control her and control it and like express that finally um because she's i mean like in any like ya you've got like the chosen one and it's kind of in this one charlotte with her you know supreme witchy powers um and truly like embracing Hmm. that it's almost like cecilia's journey was to be seen by the people she loves as herself and not Mm -hmm. as her mother so for that that's being not a pirate but something else Mm -hmm. for charlotte it's freedom from any sort of restriction which Mm -hmm. means going full pirate and for alice it's family and community and just Mm -hmm. people that will love her unconditionally and just that freedom to find her true self and embrace her true self whether it is piratical or witchy or assassiny just sort of the freedom to be whoever she is well outside of an organization because she spent her whole life being told who she is by an organization who has formed her into what they want her to be so it makes sense that she would have to find herself outside of any kind of organization yeah like in a way that we can't quantify quite as easily as the other two and this right. conversation is so enlightening just to me because like when I was reading like the Secret Service of Teen Treason for the first time, I really couldn't pinpoint what was so different between the different like arcs and stories. Mm. And I think you just summed it up perfectly. Like how obviously the books, like they all have her style, but those different like touch points. Mm. That's what I was looking for when I was like trying to figure it out for my review. I was like, I don't freaking know. Um so that's we a just great had to way talk of explaining. It to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Like, I couldn't have the words been for very... it. No, no, that's so something. Thank you so much. <laughs> I always that find that I find I I need to talk to figure out what yeah. I'm trying, what I'm thinking, and mm-hmm. it's not something that I, you know, like you you don't find the words until you're bouncing bouncing off of mm-hmm. other people, and so somebody saying, "Well, this is what Alice wants," helps me put together. Okay, well, yeah. then th- if that's what Alice wants, then this is what Cecilia. I'm like. I don't know. I like conversations like this because they help me. And also like they make me see things like I wouldn't have seen the compare. like this is stupid. But from the, in the first two books, I didn't think really critically about how the two aunts were different until Same. Caroline and I were talking. Mm-hmm. And then you had mentioned you went into a pr- like a pretty impressive kind of analysis of the two aunts and what they represented. Mm-hmm. And it was I was like, oh, my God, like I was like taking notes. I was like, this is fascinating. <laughs> like this is but it pushed me to think differently. And that's why like especially for this series, because I always know that having finished read it, having finished reading it, um, (laughs) I'm like, I guarantee you there's like 80% here that I haven't caught yet. Yes. And if I can talk about it with people, 
I'm going to uncover a lot more of that. And I think that these books, like, I feel like the ending is hitting me like 30% harder now that we've said that out loud, what each of their journeys were and these three women flying off into the night and like how each of them has had that moment where they want to fly and like getting to do that. Like it just hits in like such a good way. God, I I love these books. Jesus. And also just because we, I don't think we've really noted it. Caroline and I talked about it in some other episodes. I don't know. Um, just how fun the like fake marriage was mm-hmm. and like kind of reversing like the fake dating. Um, that everyone assumes they're sleeping together and that they're married and they should have all this passion. So then having to like work through that, mm-hmm. I just find that to be such a fun trope in this book. Um and, and I prefer it honestly over the holding fake hands. dating. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that they're constantly holding hands and they don't even realize it. <laughs> I fucking love that. Every time somebody will like look at them and they'll realize they're holding hands and be like, yeah. <laughs> like oh, I forgot we were doing that. It's like, I love that. And it yeah, was the- just such a fun like romance moment of just like them having to pretend to be married. Um, I'll think about that a lot just because it, you know, I, fake dating is not necessarily one of my favorite tropes, um, but I sure do love this fake marriage. People assuming they're like getting freaky in the sheets. And then well, also everybody being like, party. bro, Daniel's hot. Right? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah. oh, your husband? Fine. <laughs> They're like, yeah. God, your husband's hot. And Alice is like, he does look a little bit warm. You're right. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and then and then he put him near a window. <laughs> and then he's like the Alice, you're so hot. And she's like, Whoa, well, look at that. And he's like, No, also, like you're, Alice is absolutely you're, like, thirsting for him. Like, there's oh, a yeah. bit where she like notices his ass. Yes, <laughs> takes me out. She wants to like, she's like take a oh. bite out of it or something. Yeah, well, because she remembers Darlington saying something about having teeth in her gluteus maximus. Yes, yeah. um, and she's, she's like, I would like his gluteus maximus. Yeah, she's like, I would like to bite that ass. Same, Alice. Same. She so good, and just she- and just their sex scene or the first one, like in that, like after they they escape and in the in weird that, like, like art secluded. studio. Yeah. yeah. It was just just so so much fun. She's so thirsty for him, and I respect that. (laughs) And again, I just love that whole dynamic of like, hold me tightly, so I like, because I will try to kill you, and just like I won't let. And just the fact that he like completely met her where she was in terms of what she what she wanted and what she needed. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. All of the heroes in this series do that. Yes, scenes are really good at meeting the heroine where she's at in the sex scenes. But mm-hmm. each book, they've also got, like, a completely different, like, dynamic, dynamic. sexually. And yeah. I, I just found it really, like, especially this one in comparison to Charlotte and Alex. Like, Charlotte was really dominant and she really liked mm-hmm. being in charge. And in this one, Alice is like, oh, my God, finally, somebody else will take charge and I can relax. Yeah. And, like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't need to worry about hurting him because he is more than a match for me. Like, it's just, it's. I just like how each of them mm-hmm. was completely different because sometimes when you're reading romance books by – if it's several by the same author, you can start to notice, like, similarities or, like, similarities mm-hmm. in terms of, like, relationship dynamics. But each of these was so completely different and it was really fascinating to kind of see that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, back to your point of the other ones being, like, opposites attract and kind of, like, um, not necessarily enemies, I guess. But this one, they're so – similar from the beginning and they have like the parallel kind of journeys and then like the different points where they like diverge um I want to see more of that like I want to see more authors like play with two characters who are so um evenly matched in that sense and then what they can 
do with that within the novel. Um, Because there are just so many more opposites of tracks than there are, like, this dynamic. I think it's harder to write similar characters who don't come off as the same. Which is so impressive. Right. Well, I think it's how you end up with, like, like, these are really more rivals to Mm love. I mean, even then, they aren't, like, really rivals. But they have that, like, kind of academic Mm -hmm. or, like... Yeah, I'm the best type mentality. Mm-hmm. And so I think like that feels like the difference between rivals to lovers and enemies. Like I would yeah. classify Charlotte and Alex also weren't ever really enemies, but like Yeah. That feels more enemies to lovers versus mm-hmm. this one is rivals. Like they're on the same mm-hmm. side. They have very similar skill sets. Yeah. They have a very specific set of skills. I've yeah. been wanting to say that for <laughs> three hours. <laughs> I was like, I need to work that into the conversation. Mission last- accomplished. Yeah. The last time we said that they were similar, I was like, they have a very specific set. I was like, I need to say that at some point. And on that note, we're done. I've peaked. <laughs> that's the end of the And that's episode. the end of the podcast, everyone. Thanks <laughs> we for were listening taken. to this insanely long episode. Yeah, this will be – I don't know how you edit, but I feel like this will be fun. Although – Yeah. Hannah's going to have a – I, I don't know. We'll call. include some banter. It'll be fine. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like I made some some quality quips that I would like to I mean, we got to be careful not to cut the quality quips. No. Well. There's like half of the first part is just us talking about the podcast. And then the second is talking about the fascinating stuff about your terrible book shipping We'll figure it out. Hannah's great at leaving the funny Yeah, parts. all of it. Yeah, you can probably cut that. That's no, probably I think that's that. the I probably I think part that, of it. I, we got to keep that because we well, reference we refer it. back to it later. Yeah. Shit, and that's right. that's where I get when I'm editing. There'll be something I'm, think, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I can cut that out. And then we talk about it 10 times. I'm like, well, shit. Mm. I sure can't get rid of that. I believe yeah, in it. It's like how you can't cut all the Twilight nonsense because you bring it no. up again later. And also no. because in a future episode, we can refer back to it. Exactly. We're building the the universe, right? Like it's That's so true. I think mm-hmm. I think it would be fun and fascinating for us to all watch Twilight and give commentary. I have been wanting. I have been wanting to do movie commentaries literally for yeah. a million years, and I just don't know how to edit it. So I would genuinely be all over that. Like I would love mm-hmm. to do something like that if you guys are ever interested. We'll figure yeah. it out because I want to do that with Much Ado About Nothing. Um, I, I want to do it. With- I would do it for Much Ado too. I genuinely, and I've never seen it, but I genuinely, I have a list of the after hours episodes is actually just going to turn into movie commentary. I would love that. I would would love that. that. All right. Well, I'm sorry. I know I'm not part of this, but like guest appearances, I would like to please no, be be part of it. Mission accomplished. It's too late. You are now. You are part of it. We love guest appearances. Seriously, I would, I would love that. I've, I've had a ton of fun today. I've been wanting to talk books in this kind of setting for a really long mm-hmm. time so this was fantastic thank you so much for having me oh, this was great i've loved thank everything you. that we've talked about we other than and the old school episodes have barely touched on what our other episodes are going to be so if mm-hmm. at any point you're like i just read this historical romance and i think that you Ooh. should do an episode on it mm-hmm. i will keep you posted we've got like our entire rest of the season open for like all of our non-old school ones amazing um, oh. and like that's not like Obviously, we had the whole conversation about, you know, the different co- cover trends and stuff. And that's what I love about the guests is that obviously it's not like specifically related or it's tangentially related to like, you know, Secret Service of Teen Treason. Mm-hmm. But it's just picking people's brains about, you know, their different journey of like getting into romance. and Yeah, because I think what prompted it is like, yeah, what prompted it was like dangerous damsels was your first historical romance. Like that's kind of mm-hmm. an interesting place to start. Exactly. And then that kind of led into like 
My well, and interestingly, nine. we had the same, not the same discussion, but the same like illustrated versus clinch discussion with Elizabeth Everett, who is yeah. coming at it from a obviously completely different perspective yeah, I mean, as a writer, like mm-hmm, a historical mm-hmm. romance author. Um, but like the conversations went different directions because mm-hmm. you're not Elizabeth mm-hmm. Everett and Elizabeth Everett isn't you. <laughs> Each to your so, benefit. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. And again, thank you for like clarifying the difference between these three books. That I, I know really I could not figure out Cecilia's arc. I could tell no. Alice's and Lottie's. And then yeah. I was like stuck on Cecilia because she's kind and of I an was, enigma to me. And you came in and was like. I was struggling to put Alice's into words. So it worked mm. so well. We worked Amazing. out all the things. We got it. We but solved anyway, the books. We did. We've cracked it. <laughs> They've been fully analyzed. We didn't touch on the heroes arcs, but um, I think that's because they don't matter as much. Yeah. I do they're love just, the men. I love the men in these books, but they are Kens. Um they are Kens. They're just Kens. Yes. Like, do you have I an arc? Yes, but this isn't about you. <laughs> Actually, fully Ned is a Ken and he supports yes. that. I think, I think that Ned would be the first to self-identify as a Ken. Yeah. I think he would. Alex, I think, would resist it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And Bixby just wouldn't really be a huge fan of this sort of flashback. He'd be like, what are you, system. what are you, that's true. Yeah, Bixby wouldn't know. know what we were talking about. Yeah, no, Bixby yeah. wouldn't know. Alex would be like, I'm absolutely not a Ken, but then. But he, then you have but he would, like, feel it deep in his soul. Yeah. He would, he would get there eventually, like, Charlotte would give him a look and he'd be like, oh shit, I am a Ken. But <laughs> Ned, like, however, would start the conversation. Yeah. Ned would walk because in. Ned would be like, guys, like, I'm a Ken. Right? He'd walk in and be like, hello, Kens. Another Ken is talking. Like, that would be the vibe. India Holton, PSA, you need to write a bonus story. <laughs> about the Kens. I actually do. Yeah. I would love the energy of a story just about, like, Ned, Alex, and Bixby on an outing, which we got kind of in League. There's the bit yeah. where, they like, all the women fly off to go save the day, and Ned is like, oh, right. yeah, Cecilia knows not to run off without me, and Alex is, like, watching <laughs> Cecilia fly up, and he's like, uh-huh. Okay. That mm. energy, but like a short story of just them, probably with their children, because I think that would yeah. be hilarious. Like, yeah. like the, the, the bit we got in the epilogue, but longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also starting with Ned walking in and saying, "Listen up, Ken's another Ken is." <laughs> and they're all babysitting. Like the women are on like a crime mission sure. to just do crime, sure. and all the men are just at home with the kids. Like, oh god, that and they end great. up on shenanigans of their own, obviously. Yeah, because they have to. Mm. Yeah. This is how we started mm. writing fan fiction. This is going to be our origin story. <laughs> <laughs> India Holton fan fiction. The nichest market out there. <laughs> it's so small. We've claimed it. We've got the, <laughs> the corner only on it. people who read it are each other. <laughs> and you know what? It's okay. Um, that's all, that's all you she's need. She's everything. And we're just Ken's. <laughs> and we're just Ken's. India is everything. Exactly. And we're just Ken's. Truly. Truly. <gasps> I do okay. think that Ned is synonymous, though. We could honestly yeah. be like, he's she's Ned. everything and he's just Ned. And <laughs> it, and it even Ken. has the... Ned, Ned and Ken are literally the, the same name. <laughs> got the eh. I really can't recover from that parallel now that I'm thinking about it. We love a slant rhyme. Ned and Ken. You're the worst. I love it. (laughs) She's everything. He's just Ned. (laughs) That's literally what Wisteria Society is. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, Well, this has been great. Uh, Stay Mm -hmm. tuned for our Twilight. Watch along slash drunkenly. You telling (laughs) me the Twilight after dark. (laughs) (laughs) Twilight after dark. Oh. (sighs) 
tempt me with Twilight. (laughs) (laughs) God. Oh. All right. All right, now, just how do I get out of here? Do I just exit?